Good morning, everyone, and welcome uh, to the Rock Church this morning, where we've got our awesome panel again. And uh, if you're looking from out of town, you're probably uh, in the freedom of not being in level two, but we find ourselves in level two, so we're back online just for this morning only. And it's good to have the normal guys here, but also Luke, who's joining us. And so welcome, Luke. It's going to be awesome having you. And as a panel, we're just going to dialogue around what we've been looking at, um, I guess, for the last two or three weeks, four weeks, around this gospel of transformation and the gospel of transformation that releases us into the fullness of life. And so I've got some questions for these guys, and we want this more to be a discussion, and we want your questions. So if you want to send a question in, my mobile number, which we've got here, is just 021-757-870. And so if you can send those questions in at any time, and as they come through, we'll sort of unpack them and dialogue about them. Um, and we've got some questions for these guys. And these guys are going to get raw and real. They're going to open up their hearts. And so we're on a journey together, aren't we? And uh, no one holds all of the truth, and so we want to be vulnerable, and we want to just uh, be real and transformational. So I'm just going to start quickly in prayer. Father, I thank you for this morning, and we thank you that we can gather here, Lord, online and here in person with these guys, and just continue to unpack who you are and the life that is contained within you and every promise that is yes and amen. We thank you for his, uh, your son. We thank you for our saviour. We thank you that he said, I am the resurrection and the life before he was crucified. He then was crucified and released this resurrected life that we can all know. And so, fathers, we continue to unpack your son and release the aroma of your son. Lord, I pray you would guide us, guide this conversation, guide the questions. And we just thank you that we have this opportunity to gather and to gather with you and to have you do a work deep within our own hearts and our own minds. And so we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if you are uh, not part of our church family, we've been working through this uh, document, which is in front of me, here called the Gospel of Transformation. And if you'd like one of these, um, to just email Rochelle at uh, therock.org.nz, and we can send this out to you. Uh, this is what we're going through at the moment, and it's just full of scriptures that really depict and declare this Gospel of Transformation. Um, and so we've been looking at the gospel of transformation or the gospel of information. And we have to realize that they are two very different gospels, although they can sound similar. And um, in the booklet, we've listed some of the aspects of the different gospels. And we're just going to take maybe five or ten minutes, and I'm just going to ask these guys some of the differences between the gospel of transformation and the gospel of information. Um, and on the first list, we see the gospel of transformation is about knowing the person or the messenger, where the gospel of information is about the principle or the message. And so, guys, what is the difference between knowing the person or the messenger compared to knowing the principles or the message? Sam. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I think... Um, you know, like you're saying, there's there's such a stark difference between these two gospels, which really there's only one gospel. Yeah. But actually, you know, for the sake of the conversation, you know, it, it would seem like there's two kinds: one of information and the other of transformation. Um, and I think 
you know, principles are, are good and they can help your life. So there's nothing necessarily wrong per se with principles, but the person is life. And to me, that's, that's the key difference. You know, principles can help you reorder, restructure, put good things in place. You can do lots of really good spiritual disciplines. But all of those things can be done without knowing actually the person, and it's knowing the person in you that brings this transformation life that changes you. And I think, you know, to me that the key thing being, you know, like, and I feel like there's, there's in the modern day Christianity, there's almost like this pull now towards almost like reinvigorating these spiritual disciplines thinking that if you do these certain things you'll find life you know and I think to me there's there's such a dynamic tension in here because actually if you want to enter into life sometimes positioning yourself in the principle can be a means to an end but it's not the end in itself you know and so I think you know um, in terms of principles a principle principle could be spend time in prayer, you know, um, come together and join in a community of believers and be part of a discipleship group. And to me, actually, those things are all right and good, but they're not life. Those things are all there to facilitate an opportunity to enter into the person who is life, you know. And so to, to, to me, it's like, you can be part of a discipleship group and not be discipled, you know. Um, you, you can be in a covenant and actually not enter into the purpose of that covenant you know you can be married and not be one but the purpose of marriage was that you become one and the purpose of a discipleship group was actually that you'd become discipled you know and so to me the difference is not between right and wrong the difference is between what is good and what is life you know and i think we see this in the garden that there's two trees in the garden one of the knowledge of good and evil you know and I think the greatest danger for many Christians is actually the good the things that are good versus participation in the very life that he came to give us and when that life enters into you you'll know how to do the disciplines but the disciplines will be from an entirely different place you, you won't be trying to enter into life through the discipline you'll be actually in the discipline because you've found life and you'll find yourself in prayer you'll find yourself in discipleship group and you won't just be there present you'll be there presently present engaging in the very heartbeat and what it was that was always the purpose of those things in the beginning so to me that that's the the dynamic difference one is is good but ultimately there's absolutely no eternal value to it unless you enter into the person who the principle was always supposed to point towards so that those are probably some of my because i guess it's thoughts. it's the person isn't it that changed you on the inside the that's principle right. doesn't change you on the inside living a principle-led life can have change on the outside of you. You know, you can apply a principle, and the world can apply the principles that are in God, and they do. You know, if you, if you give, you'll receive. Yeah. And so people in business especially, they know how to activate, and you see certain businesses who give away a percentage of their profit because they realise in the principle there's life and there's actually a coming back, which benefits everybody. But there's no change on the inside, and only the person can change the inside. Only the person that can change the heart and the mind uh, through the work of, I guess, the other word here, which is divine power, which is what you were saying before we started, Chris. I don't know if you want to unpack some of this power aspect of even just your prayer um, around power versus principle. And 
I actually can't remember what I said. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> Should have been there. <laughs> Must have been the spirit and not Chris. <laughs> um, oh, so what, yeah, I remember what I heard this morning before I came was um, uh, is that the, the, the gospel is not in word but in power. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's written, you know, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in words and to say the right things and to be able to give good answers. But giving good answers doesn't mean that you have received the, gospel, the true gospel on the inside. Do you know what I mean? We can all give good answers. We can all learn according to man's ways. We can study up. We can know the Aramaic and the Greek and the Hebrew and all the rest of it. For me, one of the things that I was thinking about when you first asked the question, Greg, is what, what greater example do we have of the gospel of transformation versus information than the Pharisees who were thoroughly invested in information, who knew through and through what was written in the sense of the words on the page, but had no idea of the messenger when he turned up, John the Baptist and then Christ himself. The very fulfillment of all the things that they read that they knew inside and outside, backwards and forwards, and were ready to debate the Son of God himself over as to what it meant, because they knew it better than he did. And, you know, like it's been said before, we can be the Pharisees. Pharisees aren't these people that walked around in these funny hats and robes. And well, they do have a beard. That <laughs> they never plaited them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this is, this is John the Baptist we're talking about here. <laughs> um, and, and I think, you know, the, the danger is that we can be the Pharisees. So it's easy to go, oh, the Pharisees were the ones that went, oh, well, you know, what about this and what about that and argued with Jesus. But Peter himself, who was the disciple walking with Christ, said, no, Lord, you're not going to go and do this thing. Knew the message, knew what it was that was being spoken, but hadn't received it on the inside to understand the heart of the messenger. Why are you sad that I said that I'm going away? If you knew me, you would know what it is that I'm all about, you know, and there's such a difference between knowing the message and the messenger. And for me, that's a massive one, you know, where you just go, oh, I've read the stuff, therefore I know all that I need to know. And, and this is the, the pride versus humility. Knowing the, the messenger or Christ himself will have you continually asking questions, continually being a learner, because I thought I knew something before and I didn't. And actually... I'm still inclined to that, to think that I know something that I don't know unless you show me. I realize, and this is where, where pride takes a hit and humility steps in, is where you go, unless you show it to me, I can't see it. And I know that because I've experienced that, therefore I don't want to find myself in a position of going, I already know, I'm back to being a Pharisee. And, and, and I think that that's a great example, Pharisees, in that time and, and like I say we can be that too and it's the challenge isn't it of saying yes to the message mm. but missing the messenger in the complete reality of just saying yes to the message yeah. so the mind like you're saying saying yes I agree yeah. with what I've just heard yeah. but I've never received the person no. on the inside mm. and so I'm still left powerless yeah. I've agreed with what the messenger did yeah. 
but I'm not in the work of what he did. I've only received the words of what he did. Yeah. And so I'm not moved. Yeah. I'm unable to live anything because there wasn't an activation in my heart. It was just the mind saying yes to a principle again yeah, right. of what he did. So technically correct, did Jesus die, rise again on the cross? Yes, he did. Do you believe he did that? Mm-hmm. You would say from your sin, yes, I do. And you would confess that as Lord and Saviour and still actually can't live because I've just said yes to the message rather than the messenger. That's it, and there's such a difference with the mental agreement of hearing the message but not having the message fulfilled in and through you, eh? And just coming back to Sam, what you were saying about how the principle or principles can, you know, we can set up lives structurally, uh, you know, have order, things like that, but but it's the messenger that actually does a new internal structure, right? And a reordering of the heart and the mind and the soul and just does a work on the inside that then it's almost like the spiritual disciplines that we, we can practice on the outside again to try be a way of doing things. But actually it's the way of his being within us that actually creates, not principle, but it's, it's the way of his being that you come to know and understand. And... I think the difference with the, the messenger and the, the message, again, is the messenger actually separates us out. Yeah. You know, it actually does a work of separation. And I love how Paul refers to being separated in the womb. You know, it pleased the father to be separated in the womb of his mother to have Christ revealed in him. And that when that happened, he didn't confer with flesh and blood. But, so he didn't go and look for principles. He didn't, he didn't even go to man to learn or to understand in any other way, but it was through Christ in him. That's fascinating that, eh? Because he was the man of the principle. Yes. He was the man of the scriptures. Yes. And only when he received the messenger within him yeah. did he realise in the reality of, oh my goodness, yes. you know, I, I, I've actually been lost. And thinking I thought I was founded and so we need that reference because until that reference comes we are like Saul like just to pick up what you were saying Chris we are the Pharisee because it's a spirit and it's either that we either operate from the spirit of legalism or the spirit of love or divine grace it's either or it's not both it's either or and that's the challenge isn't it because it's so fine I was just going to ask you how do you know like, how do you know which one you're operating from sort of there, even for yourself? Like, how do, how, do, how do you know that you're operating from the spirit of love as opposed to the spirit of legalism? Yeah, I think, I think it's this fulfilling life, the difference of not grasping from the outside, but it's, it's, it's on the inside of a knowing and uh, identifying and relating with Christ in a very intimate and personal way of, of recognizing his life on the outside principle, do what Jesus, what would Jesus do? Yeah. But it's, it's a closer bond and union with him that you, you're operating knowing a oneness with him. And so it's not even about doing the right thing. It's about the pleasure and the righteousness of being one with him, you know, and, and, and that when I know when I'm operating, you know, sometimes I can fight, you know, if the flesh is rising up and it's kind of like, you know, you, I want to try even control something outside of me. It's like, no, 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 I'm submitted and surrendered to the Christ who is sovereign and who knows all things, you know, but, but you only know that. <clears throat> and I think it comes back to how did you receive the gospel? How did it happen? 
because in the beginning, it's like if you know Christ is your saviour, the one who separated you out, then you know the difference that there is a contrast, there is two lives, there is the Saul and Paul. And when you experience that and then you find the oneness with him where you, you know yourself, you are revealed in Christ, you know, and it, when it says, when he appears, you appear, it's like I get that. I'm like, I know more than ever who I am because of him in me, you know, and my life now is not two separate people where I'm changing in different environments and, you know, almost um, adapting. I think in my old life, it was easy to adapt and adjust and, you know, it's that chameleon thing and uh, you lose the integrity of being, you know, and so I think for me that's the difference. It's, it's, uh, it's, really, it's a mystery, eh? Yeah. Do you know, like it really is a mystery. It's like, you know, like, I mean, we've, we've had those braces, do what Jesus does. Yeah. And are we to do what Jesus did? Yes. Yeah, we are. But from what position do we do it? And this is the mystery. It's like hearing what was really just said there through the lens of the spirit, not through your mind. Because otherwise you hear through the mind, you go, the question you ask, Mel, are you saying we don't do what Jesus does? No, Mel didn't say that. You know, But from the posture of what, comes out of us we do what Jesus did you know so this reflection and it's it's a bit like you know we, we learn to apply rather than here to become and as you become you live and you do as Jesus did but it's from a becoming reality it's from an internal reality and it's a bit like when I marry people you know it's all about finding the right person no it's about becoming the right person you know, and so it's this dimension which is really mysterious. Like Christ, it says that Christ was the mystery, and it's like there's ears to hear and this posture to receive a reality of a word, not words through the English language or the you know the, a, a Greek language or whatever, but through the spiritual word, which is a language which enters in. So I hear the messenger, I receive the messenger. And now I can speak the message of the one I received. And that's what Paul said. He said, I speak him. I release him. And people go, but what's the difference between releasing him and speaking the scriptures? Well, on one aspect, if the scriptures are alive and living and active, nothing. But if the scriptures are just words on a page because you don't know the messenger, then you're left with your interpretation of the message through your human intellect and so you present a message about a messenger that's false technically it can be correct but it has no power it's good but as you were saying Sam it doesn't have life so principally it's good not wrong but not life and we need a gospel we need, we need an articulation we need a proclamation in the sense of a declaration a prophecy of a living manna which is the Christ himself and that's where Paul transitioned from preaching Judaism to preaching Christ to preaching scriptures to preaching the one who is the living scripture um, and I love that Paul's the example because he was the pinnacle of this other learning system eh? you know he's not someone who came into it from the side he's he's like a guy who is indoctrinated in the in the scriptures themselves you know and it was 
you know, an, an entire lifetime's worth of learning and even studying under, was it Gamaliel, you know, almost like the, the cream of the crop of earthly learning. And it's this man who had to come to a staggering halt and realize that his, his learning system wasn't bringing him into the life of the very thing that he was learning about, you know. And I think to me that that's the greatest danger, eh, is that Paul, unless... You know, when we know, having read the scriptures, that he, that he was set apart from his mother's womb, for to, you know to, to to be brought into the re- reality of Christ. But if if he wasn't intercepted, he could have gone his entire life and full of earthly learning about the scriptures yeah. and never enter the life of the scriptures. Eh? And, that, and that's what Jesus says to the Pharisees. You know, you search the scriptures, thinking that in them our eternal life but these scriptures are the very scriptures that prophesy of me and you're unwilling to come to me that you might have life you know and I just think you know I've heard it interpreted that you know that Paul's scriptural knowledge somehow contributed to what it was that he entered into actually that's complete and utter rubbish eh? it wasn't until he received a revelation of Christ the person himself that he came alive you know and and so it wasn't the it wasn't his earthly learning. He said that actually that was entire rubbish. He said literally poo, yeah. dung, you know, compared to the revelation of a person, you know. And yet the scriptures are of absolute value, but only from this new place of having received revelation, you know, because they only confirm the testimony of the person that you've received, you know. But for no other reason other than that, you know. And even that isn't that a mystery on its own, you know? Like, um, we're disciples of Moses. No, you're not. Because if you were disciples of Moses, you would actually be of me. You know, that is so offensive to a people that actually genuinely believe they were disciples of Moses. And yet this messenger turns up and says, your message is all back to front. You think you know the message, but without the spirit, you don't know the message at all. How insulting is that to a people group that actually were convinced, just like we're convinced, convinced with a conviction that they were of Moses you know because once again without the spirit in the beginning wasn't the scriptures in the beginning wasn't the message it was the messenger so if the messenger hasn't and isn't becoming our first and let's be honest none of us start with him as our first you know I didn't even start with him in my realm he knew me but I didn't know him but what about the likes of yourself you know grown up within let's say, the boundaries of Christianity, but not actually your acknowledgement last week was he actually wasn't your first. You were still your first. And this is the mystery, and this is the tension, isn't it? Because, And that's where the offence all is, because to go to people who have grown up within the boundaries of principles and truths and singing songs and saying yes to scriptures and hearing all the stories, for someone who's maybe never had any of that to turn up, and go, I don't know what that is, but that's not the messenger. It speaks all about, and that's what Jesus said to these people. He said, you know, you search the scriptures, but they testify about me, but they're not me. And so they had attached everything of their belief system to words on a page, not the word. And like you're saying, Chris, so when the very word turned up and spoke the scriptures... (laughs) 
<laughs> Isn't that crazy as that? The ones who said they were of the scriptures denied, rejected, and ended up killing the one that they actually didn't realize was their Messiah. That is so sad, but it happens today. Yeah, for me, it reminds me of the, um, the parable that Jesus talked about with the two sons, and he says, the father said to both of them, oh, go and do this thing for me, and one goes, nah, I'm not going to do it, and then goes and does it, and the, the second one's like, yeah, I'm going to do it, but doesn't go and do it. And he's like, which one of them did the father's will? You know, it's the one that, even though it, on the surface he was like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it, he was inclined to the thing of his father and did it. That's how I read that, that he had a heart for the thing of his father, whereas the one who said, yeah, I'm going to do it, had a heart for pleasing, but actually didn't have his father's heart, didn't end up going and doing it. And I feel like, um, you know, one of the things, the difference between um, the person and, and what it is that we've heard about the person is that when you know the person, you'll go places that you could never have gone if you'd only heard about the person. So Jesus says that those... Um, that believe in me greater works than me will they do well what are those greater works how can we do them if we don't know what they are you need to tell us what they are so we can do them no actually if you know me you will just do them and so one is the people that are looking for the information that go I can only operate within the confines of what I've read or what I've imagined it to be but you actually want me to go somewhere that no one's even heard about before even though it might be written no one even knew what it meant and so one can only go to places that are safe or that are comfortable or that have been gone before but when Jesus turns up he's blowing minds people are being are getting revelation because they all of a sudden see something that they hadn't seen but information will never do that you might imagine something or you might read it in a certain way but Jesus is putting puzzles together, he's opening eyes, he's pulling back curtains and leading people into places that other people just haven't gone before. And this is, this is what his life looked like and we now have doctrine that goes around based on what his life looked like and no further. Unless we're in the life of the person because he's going somewhere that we just haven't got doctrine for. And, and, and what happens in that instance is we go there and unfortunately oftentimes the church can have a problem with that because it's the same thing. How is it that your disciples are eating and they haven't washed their hands according to the rituals and the things that we're all supposed to do? Because we know the scriptures and when someone does this they need to do that. Or David, how are you going into the temple and eating this bread that only the priests are allowed to eat, that doesn't even make sense. Uh, I could explain it to you, but you wouldn't understand it because it's just going to be words to you. But if you were living in the life that I'm living in, you would be inclined to do the things that I'm inclined to do because life will lead you to a place that words will never lead you to. And isn't that the starting point? So that's not even into the thing. That is actually, you're describing the very starting point of starting your in Christ life because if you don't start there then you're not in the Christ life you're in what we're calling in Christianity or put it this way forms of godliness but not godliness you know and so it sounds the same forms of godliness or godliness 
but actually they're very different things. And this is the thing, isn't it? Because you're talking about seeing into the unseen. Jesus was the unseen one, and it says it says that in Hebrews. And so everything is contained in the unseen one. And so how do I actually get to see what's in the unseen one, the Christ? Well, the Christ, by divine grace, power, has to bring me into that. Outside of that, I've got nothing. I've, all I've got is what I'm looking at in the natural, and so I'm making a God in my image from the natural, and so everything I see, I try to copy. And so I'm taking my leading from the natural of what I'm hearing, the natural of what I'm reading, and the natural of what I'm seeing. And yet I'm not in what Christ was in, which means I'm not going to be in life. And that's a real problem for a church just to be in life. I was just thinking even the example of, you know, like we, we've spoken about how people can grow up in the realm of, say, church or Christianity and have received the, the message but not the messenger. But even in the world, you know, I think to myself, if the, if the true gospel isn't actually spoken and received, even in the world for someone who's struggling, just makes a, a mental decision. I need to change my life, so I need to go hear from a pastor some words, you know, or, and think that that's going to change their life. But it's, it really, it's the power of the gospel of the person, hey, being revealed. And because if I think to, to my own starting point, it's like there had to be, it, it was Christ himself that was revealing himself to me that gave me the urge to find a tangible presence of God's people, which I understood as church. You know, not a building, but I knew people gathered in a building. But, but if it was another thing of like, I need to get my act back together, like I just need to, you know, pull my bootstraps up and, you know, kind of just get my life back on track. You know, if it's a mental decision, it, it actually just brings to mind of the scripture where it's like man is not born, you know, of a, a father's decision. It's not, it, again, it's not this, this, the life of Christ is never a starting point from a mental decision of man. It always comes from the power, the power of the person revealing himself within one, hey, that creates life and the expansion of that life. And that's why what you're saying is all, all these, this worldly way to try and create life through self-help, through activating principles to try and change, all they deal with is the symptoms, not the problem. And so it's like, it's, it's a mirage. It's, it's, it's a, you know, like, uh, how do I get hope? Well, like, the, these things, it's about wellness of mind. Mm-hmm. So if you go on these process of emptying the mind and renew your mind, but you can't renew your mind because, you know, you can't renew because you're the problem. Mm-hmm. And so we try to do this. And this is this, is this reality. I, I get in the world, we do it because we don't have any other reference. Yeah. But when we actually start applying it, and this is what we're saying, is we actually start to apply the same teachings that the world teaches trying to get better not realizing you need a brand new reality because there is no hope outside of the one who was hope it's human optimism is all you're left with and so now it's your ability to change you through principles and it never actually changes the root issue and so it always leaves you um, modified yes Maybe out of a bad situation, yes, but not changed and transformed where you're able to live a different life. You, you're still the same reality. Um, and I maybe just want to talk to you, Luke, just in this question here um, around, um, you know, looking at this and, you know, I know 
your story quite well, but people don't. And so having sort of an influence with a mum and a dad that were Christians and trying to get you into a building and all that stuff and, you know, going, yeah, 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 but nah, 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 and all that. What's that been like for you? Can you just share that with us, just raised up within that, really rejecting that because what was in you was greater than that and then actually now here you are and now you're part of a family and all of a sudden you're no longer rejecting or denying, you're actually receiving. So, Yeah, it was, it had to be his power. You know, I'd, I'd grown up um, exposed to Christianity. I had people, you know, sort of telling me about God and um, people said, oh, Jesus died for you. And I was, why did, he, why did he need to die for me? Why did I need someone to die for me? And that's a fair question. That's a pretty serious thing to, to do. Why, why would... What's wrong? Why, why did I need someone to die for me? Um, and like you said, I was, I was too... Basically, I was sitting on the throne of my own heart. I was the king of my own kingdom. And I was calling the shots. I was going where I wanted to go, doing what I wanted to do. Um, and I won't share the whole story, but there's a sequence of events that, that led me up to this point where I was emptied of myself. Yeah. And... I'd exhausted every every option, you know. Every um, I tried every avenue, um, and, I, and I was sitting there on on this throne of my, of my heart, and I was just like, "Man, I don't I don't want this position anymore. I've look at this kingdom that I've built. It's a <laughs> it's an absolute mess, and and I'm a mess. And and I was like, I I don't want to be in control anymore. And um, and I just cried out with with all my heart. With everything, which was actually nothing, because I, <laughs> I was empty, you know. <clears throat> um, and I said, you know, God, I, I need you, I need you to, to come because I'm, yeah, I'm at the end of myself, and, and that's when He turns up in power. And there, there wasn't, you know, in a, in a service or no one was around. This was, this was me and an encounter with Christ, and. And the only response is to, this was my moment of, of dying to self, was to step down from that place that I'd taken, which was never mine to take. And he takes his rightful place within my heart. And everything just clicks into place and life starts to flow. You know, it was this time of acceleration. And, and that's not something someone could share with me, you know, like without God, you know, revealing it at the same time. Um, I could hear words, but it had no no effect you know and I'm glad you were talking about it this morning Chris not in not in word but in power that was kind of Paul's measuring stick for you know what, what have you received I don't want to hear your words I want to see the, the power that's living within you um, so that was kind of what it was like for me and I was exposed to to hearing about it it was all external but then the power came within me you know and we don't realize just to pick up what you're saying about Paul you know he says I've come to test uh, the arrogance, the words of the arrogant, which is pride again, isn't it? And, and you know, like none of us start humble. You know, even the most humble person, the natural, is still full of pride. Yeah, and it true. says, you know, like God gives grace or power to the humble and he opposes the proud, but he knows the proud from afar. Mm. And so there, there's this reality that only the divine grace of God can bring you to. Um, I mean, like you, you know, I was actively opposing God. Like I didn't want to be a Christian. I didn't. I didn't want. I, I. I wanted God to help me in times of need, but I didn't want to be a Christian, because the pride in me was actively opposing 
God, you know, and it chose when it would actually say, yes, I'll have help, but that's as far as, thank you, I'll take your help, but I don't want to actually live for you and with you, and I don't, I still want to be the controller of my own life. And so, you know, people don't realise this lives in all of them, you know, because certainly if you're brought up like Sam sometimes within it, you think, well, that's not me, that's those other people, that's that guy, you know, that's right, because it's all based on behaviour, not nature, and yet put in a similar scenario or situation or whatever, it's like, yeah, it's there, there it is right there, it just looks different, or the context is different, but it's all there. And so this inability to, even if you want to, you know, it's it's your inability. You know, you can't enter in, and and you never you never not a self dependent. You never lose self dependency on God. It's the way of life, isn't it? But through this encounter, because that's what it is, isn't it? It's an encounter. There's a transaction that goes deep within, and there's a cutting and a releasing and a circumcising, and now you want what you actually rejected. Not because people have convinced you, because power has entered into you, released you from you, and some now you desire. <laughs> I remember thinking I was never going to be one of those whacked out Christians that sing songs and put their hands in the air. And I remember the day that I was. <laughs> you know, here we are. And you're like, the first instance is just the praise. And look, there are some whacked out Christians. But the challenge is you're like, oh my goodness, why are my hands in the air? I don't know. Put my hands down. No, my hands seem to be rising. Put my hand. No, no, just go with it. And so this act of opposition, this enmity, is not wasn't there. And now you're embracing everything, eh? You've got this hunger for something. You were just like, that's okay for you. That's okay for you. That's okay. I don't need that. I know. I know you need that. You're weak. I don't, I don't. <laughs> you're like, give me that. Give me that. Give me that. Which is, it's hilarious, really, isn't it? I was, um, that reminds me, there's a passage, and I, I read this yesterday or this morning, and it's um, in Romans 2, and it says that he's not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is of the flesh, but he's a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. And that's it, you know, there, there's a whole lot of stuff we can do that can look the part, and unless it originates in the heart, which has to come from him, he starts the work in the heart, like you were saying, like something happens in here. Yeah. My, my, I, love, I love hearing you say that, look, because my story is quite similar. I haven't shared this publicly, I, can I go there? Um, and, and it's, you know, I grew up in a Christian household as well. You know, my dad is a, is a pastor or was a pastor. And, um, and I just didn't really have an appetite for God from a certain age, you know, just was more interested in the things that were out there than, than in here, you know. Mm. And I remember at one point, I must have been about 17 or 18, and we were out, we were doing what young fools do, and we found ourselves in a situation that was was pretty serious, and one of my friends ended up... Um, becoming paralyzed as a result of what it was that we had done um he you know we were all part of this thing and he he jumped somewhere that he shouldn't have jumped and but i was part of that you know i i jumped prior to him you know and so anyway this whole situation was pretty serious and it, it was looking pretty grim and um i was like man i need to fix my life and you know what you're latching on to what you're saying about pulling up our bootstraps you know and, and i was like i need to fix my life i need to get my life fixed in the only way i know how i need to be a christian mm. 
And so I have a reference point for this raised with Christianity and raised in Christ. So what happened was I, I was like, I need to be a Christian. I need to sort my life out. For about six months, mm. I, was, I was trying to do the stuff. Mm. And I just had no capacity to put to death the desires that were in my heart. Mm. I, could, I could look the part on the outside, but I couldn't change the heart. Mm. And so six months after becoming a Christian, I was exactly the same person as I was before, doing all the same things that I'd already done and more, and was okay with it, and still thought that I was a Christian. I, I believe in God. And then fast forward probably three or four years at the appointed time, and that's the only way that I can say it, is that God turned up and started to do a work in my life, and my outward circumstances didn't even warrant a transformation in my heart. My world wasn't really falling apart externally, but my world was absolutely falling apart in here. And I was so aware of my need for God. And it was, it was nothing that I had been taught other than I knew who the answer was. So I wasn't looking for something, I was looking for someone. And everything that I had ever heard about God really only served to identify him as as the answer to everything that I needed. And I found myself, much like you, Luke, it wasn't an altar call. I wasn't going to church, wasn't interested. But in my own place, in my room, I broke. I was, I was done and I was ready and, and laid it all, let it all go. Lost my life because I realized I could see not only what it was, but where it was going. I could just see the futility of it. And that's why I say the appointed time, because there was no other word to describe it than he turned up and made me aware of my own lack and my absolute need for him. And, and I love what you said, that, that you didn't want to be on the throne anymore because what you were sitting on was nothing anyway. I was like, it's not even hard to give this up. And anyone looking on the outside... It was a stool. <laughs> it, was a, it was a one-legged stool. <laughs> Trying to... <laughs> <laughs> Thought it was a throne, you know? And, and from that point, I, I didn't need someone to tell me what needed to be done. My heart was leading me to places that I hadn't been before. And, and the interesting thing was, and just to throw this into the mix, was that my heart was transformed. I was a new person with, with a new... There was new life, you know, that's the best way to explain it. I, I was like, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know, so my mind needed to be renewed, and I think maybe we can talk about this this morning as well, because there's absolutely room for the mind being renewed, and my mind is still being renewed. You know, I don't want people that are listening to us talking this morning go, oh, well, the moment that you receive this real gospel, you've got all the answers. Actually, my mind is being transformed today and will be tomorrow. There's still some things that I'm unlearning and some things that I'm learning. But, you know, I love what you said, Greg. I'm not opposed to him anymore. This thing that actively resisted him wasn't there. It isn't there anymore. 
But this is the bit that might just <laughs> make it a bit interesting. I, I, was, I was smoking weed in those days and I, was, I, I loved it. And when I let it all go, I, I was okay with smoking weed. Like I was like, I'm absolutely going to let it all go, you know? I, I, but I wasn't free of that, if you know what I mean. And yet within a few months, and, and so Christians that I, that I knew and I said, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian, and they said, oh, yep, cool. And I said, I'm still smoking weed. And they were like, eh, that's a problem. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't think it's a problem. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready to let it all go. And I, I have let it all, but I, I don't think this is a problem. Well, irrespective of that, because they were telling me it was a problem, I didn't find that it was a problem. Within about three, four months, God just turned up again and he was like, hey, that thing? I've come to take it now. And I was like, you can have it. it it's got no, no hold on me. And I had tried to stop smoking weed many times and couldn't. And the moment that he came and said, that's mine, I was completely able to give it because it went at his time and his way. And the thing is, isn't it, is that the, the legalistic spirit sees the problem through the complete wrong lens. Yeah. So... God sees the problem as, yeah, that the problem, it is a problem, yeah. but it's not for the reason why the legalistic spirit sees <laughs> yeah. it's a problem. It's got a part of you that I want. That's exactly it. There's a devotion to that that I, that's mine. Yeah. That's the problem, not the fact that you're smoking weed or whatever it is. But see, the legalistic spirit always sees behavior and comes to crucify behavior. God sees the behavior and goes, that thing has a part of your heart that's mine. So you're not able to enter into love the way you need to enter into love. So now I'm going to take it, isn't it? It's, it's, so, it's bang on that you said that because when he came, what he spoke about was love. He was like, I, he, he said, you love that more than you love me. And I was like, and, what he was, and those were the words that I put to it. But what he was really saying was exactly that. There is something that has a piece of your heart and I want all of your heart. And I'm like, when I was confronted with the truth and I saw it for what it was because he opened my eyes to it, that's what he does when he comes and speaks, I went, that is the truth. And I was like, and, and I meant what I said. The transaction, the interaction that we had was the real thing. When I gave you my heart, I, I didn't know what had my heart. I, I knew some of the things that had my heart and I, and I said to you that you can have everything and now you're asking for this thing that had my heart that I didn't even realize, you can have that too. Because you've empowered me to give you that. And that's the difference. I don't look back and go, yeah, I had a really good process to get rid of smoking weed and if anyone needs to give it up, come and see me. I've got the <laughs> give up weed ministry. You know what I mean? Because the give up weed ministry is Christ himself. That's right. Let me that's introduce right. you to Christ right. himself. He Amen. came and gave me something and I... I remember in the process I was like, you know, I, I really do love this stuff. You know, it, it makes me feel good and, you know, all the rest of it. And I have never lacked that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. He gave better than he took. That's good. And I don't go, I, I need this crutch. I need this thing. I need this peace, this false peace, whatever it is. I found something greater. Therefore, it was an easy choice to leave. Yeah, that is so powerful because you're communicating more than what you're communicating and I hope people are hearing it. Like the way in which he approaches humanity 
is not the way humanity approaches humanity. Yeah. You know, and it's not the way the church is to approach humanity, but it is the way we've approached humanity because we've actually got the wrong gospel. Yeah. You know? So when you have the gospel of transformation, you approach humanity through the lens of love like Christ did. Yeah. And you're not your first place isn't behaviour. No. I mean I really really hope people are hearing what you've just said because it releases everybody. It releases the pharisaical point the finger guy who's yeah. self-righteous, who's probably doing worse but they can't see it in their own heart. Yeah. It creates this aspect of releasing love to a brokenness that needs love, not legalism, or told how wrong they are. Yeah. And actually, it's this, you're just saying what we talked about last Sunday night at John 4, is that Jesus never started with the woman, you know, married five times, onto the six. That wasn't the starting That's point. Right, yeah. And that's the thing with Christ, and it's not to be our starting point. But so often it is because of this gospel of information. That's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you how wrong you are, you yeah. know. And so we just crucify yeah. people with what we say is truth, yeah. but it's our version of the person rather than the person themselves. Yeah. And so, you know, that ability, because you're in the gospel of transformation, to come from the person and just as what would Jesus do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, you know that, that's you know that's so easy. We think it's all this, you know, how to lay hands on a person, yeah. cast out a demon. Isn't it? No, what would Jesus do when he approaches and sees the brokenness of humanity that's actually having a substance to try and find healing and actually address the heart? I think one of the one of the themes that I've just loved on my own journey as he's um, revealing himself to me is is the the father and the children perspective and oftentimes we don't treat others like we would treat our own children we get it for children we don't you know your, your children might have a bad behavior well actually they've got a bunch of bad behaviors are we going to fix them all or are we going to walk with our children as they grow and and it's such a difference because I go you know I can I see it in my own children you know they might they might be doing one, two, three different things that, that are not okay. Actually, today, we're going to talk about this one because actually those two, they're actually beyond what is your capacity at the moment or whatever that looks like. And whether, whether this comes right or not, we're walking together because love is the preeminent. And I think, you know, the most powerful part of the, the exchange was love, that I knew whose I was I was completely accepted, and Christ was walking with me through a, through a process. I wasn't alone until I got something right. I wasn't kicked out of the house until my behavior matched what it was supposed to. I was firstly accepted, and that's never changed. And I, and, and I think that's so foundational. We don't, give that, we don't give that grace to one another. We... We, we expect acceptance from Christ or we hope for it. If we haven't received it, we hope for it. And we don't always give that to other people. We don't have the ability to overlook and yet he says that love covers a multitude of things. And I wonder how we have the capacity to do that if we haven't received that. You know, you receiving can't. love, you, you're, you, you have can't. to receive it to cover that's it. Right. And, and that's why we don't give people the freedom to grow, to heal, like yeah. you said, that healing yeah. will come in process because yep. there is an outworking, there is a purpose, there are uh, works to do, but 
the works come as a result of the transformation that happens in here. They're not the primary. So I'm not doing works in the hope of transformation. I'm being transformed. I, I don't even really need to think about them too much. They come as a result of the transformation process. So I'm not burdened down with all these things that I have to do, looking like a Christian's supposed to look and all these tasks that are being heaped on me by other people or other people's expectations. I have been set free, I'm being set free, and in the process of being set free, things are going to happen. So good. And I just think you're describing the beauty of, of the person within us that personally identifies things for us, you yeah. know. So instead of being told from the outside or, or the, you know, the, Pharise- the, the religious spirit that it wants to point out yeah. The problems, yeah. you know, it's we have the Redeemer who is so faithful. <laughs> As if we don't know our problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're mate, all well very done. deeply aware of our problems. Yeah. yeah. You must but, be a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but but even in saying that, one who is operating from Christ and love can go to another yes. and ident- you know, help yep. identify, you know, yep. and so it it can you know the other side to it is that, but there's a there's a real sense of the personal, like a father with a child, a mother with a child, yeah. or person personally identifying with love and affection because I want better for you. That's right. I want better for you, and rather I'm just here to slam you, you know. And so because I'm so for you, and I'm not even addressing the behaviour. It's the root issue, and you can't unless you've seen your own root issue. Because that's what qualifies you, isn't it, to go to a brother, is the fact that you actually have gone through the process yourself. Otherwise, you can't discern it. You're just looking at the behaviour, and you're going to chop the behaviour to pieces and destroy people. And let's be honest, we've done a really good job at that as the church representing God. uh, Are we really any different from the Pharisee that did the same thing? Do you know what I mean? Who brought the woman out. And exposed it in the centre of the court, you know, and said, "Look at that," you know. And what did he do? He covered her, you know, because that's that's all love knows how to do. And then it goes and addresses from a covering through grace. And that's why love and grace are different, you know. So the power of love covers. Then grace goes to work to release the inner power, the inner sin, the inner hold that I can't get free of. I know I'm a sinner, mate. You don't need to smash me with being a sinner. I know I am, okay? We've got that sorted. Oh, you might not know you are, but I know I am, you know? And so it's that aspect, isn't it, that love then releases, which is it's all coming back to if you're going, are they talking different things? We're not. We're just talking about the gospel of transformation. Everything's aligning itself. And I just do want to say this, that I haven't got any questions yet. So my number again is 021-757-870. If there is an issue for somewhere, those texts aren't coming through, then greg at therock.org.nz. But this, I'm hoping, would be inspiring many questions. Um, did you have something you wanted to add? To I I, do, I have a few a few different things. I don't know where you want. Before we do, I do want you to share though about your being raised up yeah. in a mm. Christian home and the difference because mm. I probably all us four mm. 
Sounds like we're all real big heathens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam, not so much of a heathen, but still a heathen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think that that is essentially the, the issue, right? You know, and I think you know. So yeah, when when I hear that the four of you share, it's almost like you know entering in and starting from this point of of him, you know, and, and I, you know, hear what you shared and what Greg shared, essentially what all of you guys have shared, you know, that there was something in you that didn't want him. There was an active opposition to him, you know, and I would never have described myself like that. I would, you know, if, if I, I, w- I would have said that I always wanted to be a Christian, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and that is, <laughs> but I think I, I always wanted to be a Christian and I always wanted to be in a relationship with the God in my own image, you know, and and that there was a desire in me to be a Christian that was a desire that had come from within me, you know, and so I was living my, my life to the best extent that I possibly could trying to please the God that I, that I thought that I knew, you know, and so in, in hearing you know, what you guys have shared, those kind of testimonies would raise real big questions for me when I was growing up, you know, and I'd read, and I'd read scriptures and things that would say that Jesus didn't come, it wasn't, it's not the, um, those who are well that need a doctor, but those who are sick. Yeah. And I'd read those scriptures and think, did Jesus, did Jesus really come for me? Because I'm not one of those people that he's describing about, I'm actually well. Yeah. And in reading the scriptures, I and then amongst my devotion to him, I would read everything and apply it and assume that I was in it, you know, and that I, and that it would talk about what it means to be a Christian, and it would talk about having things like peace and, and all of those kind of things, and I just assumed that because I was a good Christian and I was doing everything that I knew to live for God, that I was in what it was that the scriptures had described, you know, because I didn't actually have a reference point for what it actually meant to be, and I assumed that I was the one who was in it, and I think, you know, it like, it, it, that was fine when that was fine for a time and and trying to to live for him but it got to the stage where the harder that i tried the more frustrated i became because i started to hear about something that was more than what i was in even though i was the most devoted to the god that i knew you know and so when i heard messages from people like Greg who had talked about receiving a life for free I had absolutely no reference for receiving a life that was free because I was so entangled in my own effort that the idea of receiving something for free was so abhorrent to me it wasn't even that I didn't like it it was absolutely abhorrent because if that was the reality of the gospel then that was an active opposition to everything that I knew and what I didn't realize was that actually the enmity that you guys are describing towards God and not being a Christian was active and alive and well in me as a Christian and that there was enmity in me not towards the God that I had created in my image, there was an active enmity in me towards the true gospel. Because if, if, if the gospel is about freely receiving Christ and that was the reality, 
then everything that I, my entire world, my entire religious life was going to be called into question, you know? And it, and it got to the stage where I was so desperately trying to please him in every way that I knew how that the harder I tried, the, the further I realized that I was from the, the life that I was in. You know? And it made me start to question everything. And even, even scriptures like... For, for example, even starting to question things about, you know, when I started reading, uh, questioning things about whether I should get married, and I'd read these questions about, uh, you know, these scriptures from Paul saying it's better not to marry, and they would be a source of condemnation as opposed to a source yeah. of yeah. Um, inspiration because I, I knew what the right thing to do was, but I didn't actually share in the life behind what it was that Paul was testifying about. And so the things that were designed to lead me into life brought about death and a sense, and I lived in such a sense of anxiety and condemnation because of the scriptures. And and so the thing that was designed to bring life brought death. It reminds me of Romans 7, you know, the thing I wanted to do, I don't end up doing. And I just, when I look back at the pattern of my life, the, you know, uh, like my uh, in my inner world was exactly the same as what you guys were describing. It was just wrapped up in a nice Christian context, and and I would win awards. I won awards at almost every school that I was in <laughs> for being an outstanding student, or for having respect for other people, or going above and be, and doing all of the right things, and maintaining this religious appearance. And I and I think. You know, and I think about what my the form of godliness that I had was was that I was desperately trying to maintain a, an appearance that looked like pleasing Him, you know, and I was more concerned with what other people thought of my Christianity than I was about actually knowing Christ Himself, you know, and and it and it got to the stage where, it, you know, it's almost like the, that. You know, it talks about the that the law being a tutor to to lead us to Christ, and that the law was a tutor for me, and that and that and that the law made me so aware of my lack, you know, and my that my inner world was in such active opposition to this to this God who would freely give grace. You know, the scripture said, you know, God gives grace. Um, you know, he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. You know, and there's a saying that says, "The bigger they are, the harder they fall." You know, and I was so big in my own um, estimation of what it meant to be a Christian that it felt like the thing that I wanted the most in the entire world was the thing that I couldn't attain. You know, and and that you know, you guys were describing you never wanted to be Christians. I always wanted to be a Christian, and the, but when I realized that I actually wasn't in true Christianity, the thing that I had worked for my entire life came to a staggering halt, you know, and that thing, it's so hard to describe how flawed I was in that moment, and I shared the other Sunday, you know, about coming to this point of such utter desperation and such deep anxiety, I shared, you know, I had shared about how my beard started to go white-gray and how there was a, a real physical toll on my actual body because of, you know, the, the, the inner turmoil that I was in, that I just, you know, we talk about a scream, and I screamed not, not in words, you know, my, my heart screamed, you know, my, my, heart, my heart screamed for the, for the first 
for the first time, you know, and there was a there was a moment that I had. I can remember exactly the moment. You know, I was down in Bothamley Park, uh, Sheila on Sunday. You know, it was like something something opened up that I had never seen before, and I felt like I saw myself and all of my energy and all of my effort and all the things that it was doing, and then I saw. This, and I shared as a scripture that came and what came was not the scripture but the world there was a world that came through it you know and it said behold the tabernacle of God is among men and I had never even thought of that scripture I didn't even know where the scripture was the tabernacle of God is among men and what I saw was Christ coming and entering into me that I was the tabernacle and he wanted to come and live inside of me and it, and it was and the, the the thought ran through my mind completely i didn't you know it just happened and i was like man I feel like I saw a gospel, I saw Christ coming to live inside of me and that I could have, that it wasn't a thing that I needed, it was the person. And when the person came in, I received peace. You know, it says in, in Ephesians, he himself is our peace. And I received him and I, and I received his wholeness. And the thought that came through my mind was, man, if this is Christ, if this is the gospel, I've got to rethink absolutely everything that I've ever believed about him full stop, you know? And I received in a moment a person that set me free from my way of desperate trying and striving. And that was, it really was like I was suffocating and I was coming up for air for the first time, you know? I I received in me him and you know, the word peace means wholeness. I received his wholeness in me. And for the first time, I, I breathed him in, you know. And, and that was where my, I had been a Christian for so many years, but that's where, I've, that's where I received Christ, you know. And so on the outside, everyone would have thought that I was in true Christianity. Everyone would have assumed that I was in Christ, and I assumed that I was in Christ, because I didn't have a reference point for what truly being in Christ actually was. I had heard about it, but my inner world was in active opposition, and it was the very thing that I was in active opposition to, which was the thing that ultimately saved me, you know? And... And you know, like, and even sharing about that, that that moment was a defining marker in my life. But it was the starting point yeah. for what true life actually was. And so, from that point, there's been a process of having my mind renewed to the reality of what I received and who I received in me. Mm. But my way entirely changed in, in that moment and that I was no longer, it wasn't the gospel of information that I had received. Yeah. Nothing about that came from me. Yeah. You know, it, the source of um, life was him. And that was the starting point for actually truly living, you know. Mm, um, and so, did you, uh, you're looking at, are you going to say something? I'm trying yeah. not to cry, yeah. to be honest. And, and, and so, like, personally, I, I feel like, you know, it was, if, if I could describe, it, it was horrific to go through it in that, and yet, I, you know, Chris, you're sharing, and I'm like, ma'am, uh, uh, your situation was literally horrific, right? Yep. My situation was clean and tidy. I had, a good ha I had a good family. I had good parents. I actually hadn't put myself into any real danger yep. But the reality of what was going on inside of me, it's like, 
It's all the same, right? It it's, is. It's the same gospel that we all need to receive. You know? And that's why I think it says, in view of God's mercy, because it's really the emphasis here is God's mercy. Even we were all experiencing enmity, whether it was you know, to the gospel or to Christ himself, the enmity, it's what's opposite. Hey, and then we even know the enmity towards others or Christ in others that we're opposed to. And we could be in the church, envir- church environment, you know, but it's in view of God's mercy. Now offer yourselves up as a living sacrifice. But it's amazing how his mercy, when that mercy shows up, I, I think that's when we experience death, the death of self, because mm. the God of love, mm. who we were opposed to on the inside, mm. has shown his face and re- chose to reveal himself, the holy God, to, to ones that... <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely not. But but that's where we know mercy. We cherish it because we're like that was our beginning. That's what put us to death. Thank the Lord took us off our throne, off our our stool, <laughs> our one legged stool. You know, and 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 that's why I love it when it says, you know, in view of God's mercy, the death happens, and He says, now offer yourselves up as a living sacrifice, a breathing sacrifice, a, a life that's come back because of His breath, a life that's come back because of His redemption, a life that's come back because of His revealing of Himself in us, the, the um, God amongst the tabernacle of men. Stunning. And, and you know, because you, God can be merciful towards you, but you have to know mercy, eh? you know? And, and I think, you know, if I look back at the history of my life, God was merciful to me at so many points. I had even had encounters with his love before. You know, I've shared about my encounter in the bush and, and what that did. I, I res- there was something that I received in that day that had held me through everything that I went through. So I had tasted mercy. And this reminds me of, you know, there was 10 lepers and he... and. He was he he healed all of the ten and had mercy on the ten, but there was only one that came back, and he said that only one was made well, yeah. you know, and it's like all ten received mercy, but only one came to know mercy, hey, yeah. you know, and and that that to me it's like it's it's that that deep revelation knowledge of him in us. That's what that's, that's what does it, that's hey, you know. Difference. It's the difference between the external. And the intern, I experience God externally in powerful ways. You know, I've had lights in my room. I've been healed physically. I've seen my father healed physically. I've seen the work of God externally of my life, undeniably, which means I couldn't not deny God being real. God is absolutely real. I just didn't want him. (laughs) You know, it's like, I want me more than God. How can you want you more than God when God has healed you, Greg, has healed your father, has turned up at 3 a.m. in the morning <coughs> with lights in your... How can you want you more than him? Like, you're not the creator. You can't do that, but you still do because the inner is still greater than God outside of you. How powerful is that? When you start realising how powerful and poisoned I am from the inner. The inner sin, the inner nature, the old nature that needs to get crucified is still greater than the God who created me. Now it's not if I know who God is. It's not if God actually pierces me, you realise it's pathetic. But before that, it is because I'm unwilling to actually follow. 
but I'll take what I want from him, which is this gospel of information. It's where it leads us to. And you start realizing then that outworks. And, and I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that you guys said was, was um, have you found this opposition in others against you? So from this reality of being in Christ, but actually walking with people that aren't, have they come against you unknowing? Have they actually spoken against, haven't believed what you've said? Um, you know, there's active opposition because really it's, it's not the, what people don't connect the dots with is that the active opposition is not with the person, it's with the God in the person. So actually, your act of opposition is still with the God that's in the person, but you think it's the person. And that's how you justify and rationalise it all away. So you want to share on that at all if you have, you know, without giving us names? <laughs> um, well, there's this time when Luke... Um, you, know, <laughs> um, you too. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know... I feel like for me that the active opposition has come in a number of different forms and the biggest one has actually just been an unbelief to be honest you know and that and that in, in sharing my inner world and I, I feel like I, I get it because that's what I used to be like you know and that people would share their inner world with me and I'd assume that their inner world was just like mine you know and so much for me I, in conversations if I'm sharing and testifying of what I've received and the, the difference that it's made in my inner world, in, in sharing that, I feel like the, the, biggest, the biggest thing has been people hearing what I'm saying and thinking that they're in it or not believing that's for them and rejecting it without actually having heard, no, no, wait a second, what I'm saying is that in here, what I'm describing to you, this in here is different to what you're describing is going on inside of you, but it's for you, you know? And to me, it's like, that's that's the, the active opposition has, there's been times when it has been like active opposition in the sense of back, backs, you know, talking behind backs and all that sort of thing. That's probably, that's been less so than the, um, the, the rejection without even knowing it's a rejection or you know that, that's probably been the biggest thing to me it's that I, I almost want to say like your inner world and my inner world are, are not the same you know but what I've ex experienced is what you can experience if you w were able to hear yeah. what it is that we're invited to which is what you see throughout the gospels yeah so why is Judas anti-Christ why is Peter Antichrist? Why are they getting up in his face? Because that same thing we're talking about was in it's in humanity. And so the things that man doesn't understand, the things that man is afraid of, the things that man hasn't yet tasted and entered into, depending on because everyone's different. So one person just goes, I don't care to. Another person goes, I'm not even what you describe it. But then another person goes after the jugular. Because the more that's invested into the old and the more one is carrying their own empire, the more aggressive they are. And you see that within the scriptures. Hence, the, it was the leadership that killed Christ because they had the most invested in the institutional reality of the gospel of information, what they thought they knew. 
So we need to be identify that within ourselves because it happens all the time. And the challenge is we don't necessarily realise and the people don't realise who they are that are doing it. And it can be as close to you as one that you're married to, one you've given birth to, one that's given birth to you, one that's given birth to them, who's given birth to them. It could be a brother and sister. It doesn't matter who the person is because we're all born of the same kind through one way trying to get into the other way. And yet fear, and you see this, fear is ultimately what it is, which is anchored in pride. Because you're declaring something I'm not in, I'm afraid of not being in it, so fear will always try and protect itself. And one of the ways it tries to protect itself is actively coming at to try and take out what the things that's coming, or it runs the other way. So once again, if a gunman walked in here right now, there could be a myriad of responses. Cena would probably take them out. <laughs> We're probably all hiding under the couch somewhere going, go girl, go girl. <coughs> and so there's this fear aspect because it wants to live, doesn't it? Fear wants to live because it's associated with pride. And so it's just this realisation that, and asking those questions like, have I actually been opposing to God through another person? Have I, am I actually sabotaging my own reality because I don't see what's on a brother or a sister? And so I end up going, you know, it's the story, isn't it, about God sending me um, someone to rescue me and God sending all these people to rescue, but they never come in the way that you think they're going to come. So he goes, what did you want me to do? I sent you 50 people and you ended up killing them all or you ignored them or you walked away from them because you didn't see what was really in you, and you deceived you. Mm. Oh, that question, eh? Because I'm like, actually, for Sam, you know, Sam, how you just described it, I, I agree. It comes, the, the, the enmity or the opposition comes in many forms. And I think what I'm learning, and I'm right, I, you know, I've, I'm learning that um, I almost opposite to you Sam where I <clears throat> because of, of, of Christ and experiencing him I've assumed that everyone who calls himself Christian has, has experienced this and so you know I, I, I would very eagerly animatedly lively share what he's doing because of who he is and then actually find the response wasn't like a joining in or a but a sense of you're a bit full on or or almost who do you think you are you know kind of thing yeah. and and I've actually grappled with the outworking the manifestations of it not understanding why this is happening and I'm in I'm growing to you know the the perfecting of love which I'm I'm, I'm really, you know, just sitting in and asking just to God continue to, you know, show me because I've, uh, sometimes I get too caught up in, in the manifestations of it within relationships or whatever's happening with people and, I, and for too long I haven't understood why that's happening but because of the inner realm thing, it's just I've assumed that it's it's the same, and so and I and, you know and my response even with those who would be talking about the reality yeah. 
whether they had a greater measure than me or not, it was never an enmity. It was a, you're speaking of you're speaking of my Christ, the Christ I know, you know, and there's a oneness there. And, and I, I just, and we talked about this last Sunday, there's such a different, there's a sense of, um, you know, if, if I could outwardly sometimes really show how I'm really feeling on the inside, I would be at people's feet in worship, bow down, because I'm like, I just want to sit here, I just want to be here, and I... I, um, I'm in worship right now, you know, and it's not of the person on the outside, it's the person within. And so it's like when you've experienced love in the person of Christ, that's, that's who you see, that's who you want to see in everyone. And so I've actually found almost the opposite. And, we, you, you know, I loved how you said you have a reference to what, when, you know, the thing you had posed, you can see it in people, where I've actually sometimes found myself too too assuming <clears throat> and then find myself a bit gutted <laughs> later, you know, and, and then just trying to work out, but, work out, because I don't want to find myself. But isn't that what love does? So love always believes, hopes all things, and yeah. all things, so it goes with an aspect of love. But this is part of the maturity of the gospel of transformation, isn't it? That actually as you go, you start realising, because what you're describing, this is what came back to me then, is testimony versus lifestyle. And so we have had a different, let's say, lifestyle to Sam, if we want to use the example, you know. And yet, actually, we all now have the same testimony. Yeah. Okay? So what Sam was saying is, is that before is his lifestyle is different to ours. Yeah, cool. But it's not based on lifestyle. It's based on testimony. So his testimony was the odd one out. Okay? So when the testimony is the odd one out, two kinds, which is what you're describing, mm. is that you're just described when you have the testimony of the same one who may have a greater depth of Christ within them, oneness. Fellowship. When it's a different testimony, uh-huh. now you've got a different reality. But what we've done because of the gospel information is we judge our testimony by our lifestyles, yeah. which is what Sam preached a while ago, didn't you, mate? About It's a completely different reality. So this is part of the problem in the body of Christ, is that when you have the same testimony of what Jesus has done and is doing because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy when one prophesies what one is speaking not I see you in two years going to Cambodia when I just prophesy Christ there is a oneness of sound and a frequency no active opposition because we have the same testimony even though now different lifestyles but actually it's irrelevant because the five of us have the same testimony That's the problem with the body of Christ because how do you get the same testimony? Mm. Only through one gospel. That's right. That's right. And I think to me, it's the testimony of Christ that we need, right? It's it's not, um, a, you know, it's it's not a common lifestyle. And I think that's why, and what I love what you're saying, Chris, you know, is like, you, you know, it wasn't addressing the smoking weed that did anything. It was actually you received him, you know? And to me, it's like, the weed smoker actually needs my testimony. Do you know what I mean? They don't need to hear. They don't need to hear a story about someone who smoked weed. They need to receive the reality of a person within them. You know, and I think that's like the and and that's why the our testimony, our witness, our revelation of who he is is eternally relevant in 
in every environment, right? You know, because it's not. And and while having a similar life story can, I think, help facilitate that. Yeah. Ultimately, it's Christ that we need, eh? You know. And that's that's the fellowship, isn't it? That's not external stuff. It's this unity. We've we've all tasted, seen, experienced the same thing, Christ Himself, and there we have fellowship. Um, I have a, I have an example of opposition, which is a little bit different than what it is that we've talked about, um, but I think it ties in with what it is that we're we're going through. Um, and I'm going to make up a hypothetical situation because I don't want people to go, oh, was that me? <laughs> people, people we know. <laughs> but this is, this is the, the Christian thing, right? So um, an instance in, in my life, uh, more than one that I can think of, where God speaks a word to you and promises you something. And it's a living word. It's, it's, it's a reality that he opens the door for you to enter into. Let's say it's healing. It's not healing in this instance, but we're going to pretend that it is. So let's say, Mal, God's going to heal you of this thing. You've got this word. You've received the life of this word. This word is actually alive. And you know it and you're believing it. But what I did was I still attached an expectation to what that was going to look like. So I'm like, oh, this healing's going to look like this. Almost going beyond or interpreting what it was. Now, the word is true. And so, so anyway, what happens was you receive this word and you receive this life. And as you journey this out, God starts to open your mind to what he's actually talking about. Now, he is talking about healing. And he is talking about healing in regards to what he spoke. But the outworking of it looks different than what it is that you had expected. So when it, when it doesn't fit the box that it would normally fit in, and I'll say Christians in this instance because it was Christians, go, oh, these other external circumstances should have lined up for you the way that that we thought they would because that's how God works. Now what I heard in that moment is I go, oh my goodness, this person is for me. They actually love me, but they are opposing the work that God's done in my heart because now I'm free of what it was that my mind thought to see it in a different way. And, And the interesting thing is that when you're free of it, you can see it really clearly. So you don't go, oh, look, stop it, don't talk like that, or, you know, whatever you go, actually, I see the, the love that you have for me, but you aren't speaking from a position of revelation because he hasn't revealed it in you like he's revealed it to me. It's, it's hard for me to explain the context of this because I'm, I'm making a hypothetical situation, but I've had it a couple of times where Christian brothers and sisters have been righteously angry for me because of external circumstances not lining up like they thought they should line up in accordance with what it is that God had spoken. And yet God was absolutely faithful to what he had spoken. And not only did he do a work that was external of me, he did a work internally to bring me into something that I wasn't in, which is actually the greater work. And the opposition, I wouldn't call it opposition in the sense that it goes, boom, it's opposition because it looks like Christ, but it's not Christ. It's based on information or tradition or an expectation of God that isn't how he's revealed himself in this situation. So one is alive 
and one's dead. One leads me into life as well as being alive, and one will only lead me to the same old stuff that we've been going around in circles forever. And I've seen that a couple of times, and it's really interesting. And like we were talking about before, because that was me as well, and not just at the point of salvation, but because this work is continually happening where my eyes are continually being opened and I'm, I'm seeing things that I hadn't seen as Christ continues to grow in me, I go, actually, three weeks ago, that was me too. How, so therefore, how can I judge that harshly? Because until Christ turned up and showed me what I hadn't seen, I would have responded in, in exactly the same way. And so the point of that is... God is always, you have to let God define the whole thing, don't you? You can't actually have a method or a copied way because someone else does something and it worked that way that you can just transport that onto another way. And that's where all the offence is because we actually, we're still trying to control God. We're still trying, this is how God God does it. Well, he could do it 10 times on any given one day for 10 different people and then do it the same way to 10 people the same way. And, and in that, you, we then go, okay, well, that's how he works, so it's that way. And, that way. and he'll just do that to mess you up. Yeah. So then he goes, no, I am the way. Yeah. And so just be free of me doing it my way. And, and that's a challenge for us when we're still trying to control outcomes. Yeah. You know? and, and the fellowship, getting back to the, the fellowship point, is that not every believer that I'm communicating this journey to is righteously indignant on my behalf. There are some people that either have sight for the process or are actually free enough that even though they don't know my process, are like, he's still there. Like it's not a, I don't need to do something for you or tell you what to do. I'm with you. That's that's our position. And we are free and we're his. What more do we need to know? And it's it's completely different. Yeah, it's amazing how Christ came as friend, lover of our souls, servants, and yet somehow was the threat, was the troublemaker, was the one who caused absolute collision and chaos. But that's what happens when heaven and earth meet, the collision and the chaos that externally happens because of what internally is going on it's just it's such an opposite effect you know and this is part of my growing and learning is is I don't I I keep not wanting the opposite effect because I don't it doesn't start with the problem within or the the deficit it's starting with love and so I expect love back I expect what's poured out given back and it's 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 not. That's not how it is with his life as an yeah, example. You no, know? Totally. So we've got some really cool questions starting to fly in. Um, but I think just, just in that, is like, and what better example than the one that gave birth to the Christ? So his own physical mother was opposed. And it came out, you know, this boy will oppose you. And there'll be many that will rise and fall in Israel. And you see that when he's 12. So if it happens to his natural mother, it's going to happen in us because the same thing lives in mankind, humanity, you know. It's like, but they're the ones that gave him birth. They're the ones that at eight days were like going, yeah, what a prophecy about our son, yeah, until it goes knock, knock, knock at the age of 12. Like, why weren't you where you should have been? Because I was in my father's house. So this prophetic 
declaration of utterance, which the Bible says, do not despise and quench God. Shh, they were. Why aren't you here? And all of a sudden, then it says, but she stored these things up in her heart. So have his own mother. You better believe humanity, you know. Um, so we've got some questions now. It's just cool. Thanks, guys. It's awesome. Um, it just says more to do with circumcision of the heart, and it's sort of like connected. So there's two questions here. Um, so if we just think of more, what does it mean for circumcision of the heart? Because okay? once again, this is something you experience. It's not something that you work out in your mind. It's a, it's a circumcision, you know. Um, to give love, we must receive love. So if we're going to give love, we must have received love. How do we receive love? How's that connected with the circumcision of the heart? So those are the sort of, there's two questions and that's first. And we have been unpacking this, but I think it's good to keep unpacking it because it's like, it, it's this word that hits, isn't it? You know. Um, so circumcision of the heart, what is that? How do you know your heart's been circumcised? <laughs> to give love, we must receive love. So I, I cannot love a human the way I'm commanded to love unless I've actually received love. So what is it to receive that love? How do you receive love? Because, you know, saying I know God loves me doesn't mean I love as God. I've got to have love to give love. Um. That's a great question, and I'm not even <laughs> sure where to start, but um, this thought came to mind when I was thinking about these questions, you know, and Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, and I think the circumcision of the heart in one way to describe it, because there'll, there'll be a few ways, but the one essence of what that looks like. But um, it, it was like this new heart that I received because of Christ pouring his love in me, gave himself to me. It's like it was the first time my heart had eyes and ears. You know? It, 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 was, it, was, it was this trans beautiful transaction, divine exchange where suddenly the physical reality of being able to see with these eyes and it was a different hearing now and a different seeing and it was now I live in a flesh suit but I've been catapulted into the reality of a person, of the Christ and I now, now I can look at this window or Sam in front of me but actually it's the eyes of my heart that are now operating and it's almost defining what I see. You know, I can look at the same object with physical eyes, but when the heart has been circumcised and when you have a new heart that is alive and well and now is actually alive to God, it changes your physical seeing. It literally changes your physical way of being because the internals being separated out, you know, and coming back to that beginning, you know, the circumcision. It, there's a separating out and Paul again you know he said the the gospel that that I've been I've been separated unto the gospel and that's what the gospel does it, it, there's a separation a circumcision that cuts you off from the old cuts you off from operating in a, just in a physical capacity yeah. and and it 
it brings you into the son and the son that gave his life for you that's given you the ability to even be in him and love like him because of him and and the challenge is not our word this well yeah so so as men there's a circumcision and there's a cutting of skin and a complete removing of the skin like you're not half circumcised, that's a really bad job. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a full circumcision, and then that skin is no longer part of your body. Yeah. You know, so it's a cutting, isn't it? There's something of a piercing. You know, the Bible describes um, the piercing of the heart. Well, that's not through a study of intellectualism. No. You know, that's that's the heart's there, my mind's there. There's there's something outside of me that comes into me that cuts. The word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. But the word of God is not words. The word is a person. So we're back to this person. So there's a reality, what you're describing, is a supernatural encounter with a person who's cutting and removing and life comes that wasn't there before. So you've got a reference for your former manner of life. I couldn't see. I couldn't hear. I only have the physical all of a sudden, now I can hear and see from another realm because I've been circumcised through power, through the sword, through the knife, through the surgeon has done a work. And it talks about in 2 Corinthians, yeah, the circumcision of the heart. And there's this, this reality of how does the word, the glory get on the heart, not from ink which is the natural, not through man trying to understand in words. It's the spirit that circumcises the heart, Christ, God, the spirit. And so now there's a cutting through the spirit and a life that came. And so in the natural, when a man is circumcised, it even looks different. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference. There's a different reality. But that flesh is no longer part of what it was part of. Left for dead. Left for dead. And so yeah, God uses these physical descriptions, but you can't understand it in the physical. You, know, you can feel the physical reality of it, can't you? you know? And all of a sudden, but what is that on the inside? You know? um, which is actually how love comes. So they're so connected. The circumcision of the heart and the receiving of love is the same thing, really. You know? um, it, uh, it's, it's a veil that that gets removed. Eh? For, for me, it was um, this veil of pride in front of my heart that when I fell off this one-legged stool, <laughs> it was torn, you know? And, and like you say, like, all of a sudden there's eyes and ears to hear and see something that was obscured from me before. And it was, it was hidden from my eyes, but the circumcision had removed this veil and I was aware, aware of God, you know? There was this awareness. And um, he spoke to me, through this verse in, in Ezekiel as part of my testimony and it, and it says son of man stand on your feet and I will speak with you and I heard him who spoke to me and his spirit entered me and set me on my feet and it was that was the first time that I'd heard my father's voice because this veil had been removed and it was you know the, the circumcision had happened within the heart and all of a sudden I was receptive to hearing from God it had opened up this whole new reality like you're saying Mel of hearing from him and being aware of, of God. And he's the, he's the one, isn't he? The instigator, the author and the perfecter. And I think, you know, when I hear that, I think, 
Who circumcises themselves? No one. You know what I mean? This is done to children, and it's done in a way that they could never do it themselves, you know? And, and I think he says, I will write my laws on their hearts. He's the one, he's the finger that does that. Right. And I feel like, you know, I was just thinking about the disciples that were with him, and John, in First um, John, he says, that which we've handled, tasted, touched. You know, and I was thinking, is that before or after Christ went to heaven? Because they certainly walked with him, but I don't believe that they had fellowship with him until no. afterwards. No. So it wasn't based on a physical reality, even though they were with him for three and a half years. Yep. So the Spirit did the work when the Spirit turned up. Now they positioned themselves for this. So I, you know, I think part of our own uh, engagement is position, you know, that we can say yes and we can step forward but we can't do the work. Mm -hmm. So for me, and I love, I love how you described it, Sam, because you said this word that came penetrated your heart. And it was the same for me, that when he turned up, he cut deep. You know, he really did that. And I was, I was actively resisting that. You know, I wasn't looking for that much the same as you, Greg, probably much the same as many of us. But I don't believe that it has to be that way. I believe that... The, the the recognition that we can't do this for ourselves is, is a really powerful one. You know, if we if we can see that as believers, then we can say, Lord, I can't do this. You know, that's the you know, catch twenty two. <laughs> it's right in front of you, but you're rejecting it. Yeah. Because you can't hear it when it's standing right in front of you. Yeah. Because you don't think it is. Yeah. Isn't it? That's it's it is a eh? it's the catch twenty two. It's like this guy's has parents that are that are trying to encourage him, but he's like, nah. Yeah. You know, because of the act of it, it's the dynamics. But just I just want to pick up something you said because it was powerful because this is a, a, a living reality. So my um, one of our family friends, this is back in England, my dad's best mate, he um, had to be circumcised as a man. Yep. And there were issues. So you said it's something that happens to you when you're young, physical circumcision. Yeah. yeah? Normally. So, so normally, well, that's the thing. So, so because that's when it works best yeah. in the sense of you. So he's an older grown man having issues and now has to go through physical circumcision because he's, but he's older. Yeah, right. And I, the picture of the Spirit says the heart. The harder the older, yeah. the older it is, the harder it becomes. Yeah, so right. then you can get into issues if you talk about physical stuff, you know, and you join the dots. Whereas a child, if you're circumcised from the heart early, yeah. man, fly in Christ, yeah, you know. Yeah. But the more you're in this other thing and he wants to circumcise your heart, the greater the nut, 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 but the greater the issues you have. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You know, it just it reminds me of an... In the Old Testament, you know, he gives um, Abraham is give, is given circumcision as the as a physical sign of the covenant relationship that he had with God, you know, and so he enters into true friendship and fellowship with God, and the circumcision is given as a sign, you know, and it says now that that's a typology that of the true circumcision that would come and it says that that would be made without hands yeah. but that it would be an eternal circumcision and to me it's like there's there's a there's a cutting that needs to take place without hands you know it's it's a divine eternal work of god that enters into us and in in romans it said that abraham receive 
circumcision before he received the promise or after he received the promise. It said he, re- he received the promise and he was given circumcision as a sign of the covenant that he had entered into. So to me, that circumcision, the cutting away the flesh, the physical expression, the circumcision is a physical expression of the covenant. So Christ's likeness and his nature and his reality being formed in us, the actual demonstration of this Christ-like life doesn't come before you enter into the promise it comes as the fruit of it, you know? And so to me, this is the difference between works um, and function and fellowship. That fellowship comes number one, and there's a physical expression in your life that confirms the covenant relationship that you've entered into. Does that make sense? 100% you know? makes sense. And, and to me, that, that's the kicker, you know, is that there's, is that number one is fellowship and that, and if you're in true, genuine fellowship with God, there must be a physical, exp- you must now start living out a life that reflects the reality of Him You just will, you. won't you? You will. You just yeah. will. That's just, exactly it's right. It's an expression you know? of the, re- the that, work that's, that's done. And that's why James says, hey, faith without works is dead. Yeah. That's right. Because, that's right. yeah, the yeah, works And it's His hands, faith. isn't it? There are hands. That's right. It's yeah. His hands. Who's the builder of the church? Is. God is. How does He build? How does a builder build? hands but the heart instructs the hands and that's why in the commandment it's on the heart on the hands then on the frontal if that defines and informs this you get what you're describing works without fellowship if this defines this you get christ-like life that's the difference you know this is good eh um if grace means power what does mercy mean or refer to when coming into the transformational life, the all life he has for us. So that I think there really is, if grace means power, what, does, what is mercy? Because you mentioned a view of God's mercy, lay your life down. Um, that's your spiritual act of worship. Um, God's mercy, he's merciful while we're all running around trying to do our own thing. I would say, I mean... You know, naturally, I would just say that mercy is a withholding of something that we're due. You know, that he stepped into something that was our lot and took it on himself. You know, and so in light of what it is that he has saved us from, what it is that he continues to do through this, this, I guess you could call it love as well. It's the same thing. You know, he he through this love that is engaging. Once you've seen it. You know, you can live in a way that is befitting that. Mm. Yeah, but yeah. it's something that I think that you have to see. Yeah, like if you don't see it, you've yeah. got no. And that's why it says, in view of His mercy. Yeah. So to me, view is such a critical part of that. Yeah. So if you haven't seen His mercy, how can you? Hey. Yes. Yes. It's. It, again, it's that it has to be an experiential yeah. knowledge yeah. of of experiencing his mercy to even become merciful you know and that's why he's so big on like i've shown you mercy how is it that you're not merciful in the situation you know we read about the the stories and the parables where you know it one has been given and yet isn't freely giving to others um yeah and i think you've just described it well you know but and and also it's like mercy in view of his mercy is the holy god i feel like it's it's 
the holy God, the God where there's no one like him. And and it's the man, it's 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 the God of humility that even if he was to really reveal the fullness of who he is, no one could stand in his presence. Yeah. And he's actually holding himself back. He has to restrain himself. The humility of God, the creator, the beginning, the end, the, the complete eternal reality, revealing himself to a vessel, an earthly vessel. To me, that's mercy. It's like he, he doesn't need anyone or anything. He is absolutely self-sustained, self Sourced. I don't even know. I can't even have words for who he is. And it's that restraining of himself to show love and mercy to to us who who he's made from dust, you know. And it's it's almost like the pride and the humility I find is in the mercy of God to show such a humility to still reveal himself to to a prideful vessel that thinks they know it all and almost thinks they're bigger than God himself, you know? And it's, it's that mercy that humbles you. I think that's the effect of mercy on our lives. Where grace, <clears throat> it's almost like the mercy humbles us <laughs> and then the grace is the empowerment, empowerment of, now stand up before me, I want to talk to you. So... Yeah, the grace is the empowering to live the life once you see who you've who he is and who you've been called to be, isn't it? It's, yeah. But the, this is the challenge in, in trying to describe the position of one because it's all contained within mm. him, isn't it? Mm. You know. But yeah, the the dimension of what you're describing, it's like seeing the reality of what is. Yeah. So you see him for who he is. You see his covering of because you're destined for here, but actually because he's so merciful. And he's been waiting for you to get to this divine time, you know. And so while you're running around being an egg, thinking you're the man, and actually saying, nah, 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 he's not smiting you. His mercy's, even though, you can just, you know, his mercy's just holding that back from you, you little punk. You know, it's like, who do you think you are? And, and then in the right time, and he opens the appointed time, he opens your eyes and you see... His, this mercy, what you're saved from, what you're saved for. Yeah. Now it's like, now I'm going to fill you with my power so you can live. And it's like that we've been chosen for wrath or mercy. Yeah. Do you know, like even that messes people up, you know, because it starts to really challenge the God you know. Well, what gospel are you actually eating and drinking? And so now it just, it's the, the mo- part of the motivation to get on with living. And, and catch up because for 29 years but at the same time the appointed time was at the age of 29 and so you're in that beautiful tension between but you came to me at 19 so 19 you came made me aware of your presence but it wasn't until 29 so when was the appointed time at 19 or 29 well don't worry about it just get on board with living <laughs> you know um, Man, we're getting some. They're all starting to fire, and this is uh, oh, this is good. This is so. Question: Going back to Chris, hope you can remember what you said, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, would you say there can be fear wrapped up in actually allowing Christ to define what truth looks like? Oh, sorry, freedom looks like. Can there be fear wrapped up in actually allowing Christ to define what true freedom looks like? 
the understanding. Uh, so this is in response to my um, talking about opposition. Is that Just, right? Yeah, talking about, I, I would imagine, the freedom that you were describing. And then there's a, f would you say there can be fear wrapped up in actually allowing Christ to define what true freedom looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. So I think, um, you know, part of, part of what it is that uh, we've been talking about this morning when we say that, you know, when, when he turns up, it's, it's not like you're all of a sudden Christ himself, you know, we're, we're being transformed. And so part of this journey that we're on is about him opening our eyes to the things that we thought were something that actually aren't something or, you know, like that. And so I, I feel like this revelation of Christ is an ongoing revelation where he goes, hey, that thing, I'm touching that, you know, or, or hey, this thing. And so I guess hopefully I'm answering the question. In my own, in my own life, I feel like there are things that I still do that God wants to set me free from whether it be due to ignorance, whether it be due to fear, whether it be due to my own uh, bad choices, you know, whatever, whatever it could be. And am I answering the question? I feel like I might have just drifted right there. <laughs> just keep going because it's sort of, it's tricky without the, yeah, this is a tricky question to answer because there's so many different loopholes that we could go. And so I feel like, I guess going back to my testimony of what it was that I said before, where I said that, you know, we, I had an instance where um, God had spoken to me about something. Now, when he spoke to me about this thing that, that he had for me, I attached an expectation or an outcome to it. Now, I'm learning through this process, this, this has happened more than once, where I've thought what it is that he spoke would look a certain way. And, and this is the beauty of growing and having a mind transformed is that you go, actually, this has happened a few times now where I thought that, that I could work out what you meant. Now I'm going I'm to take my hands off the outworking of that. And it's not because he said, hey, Chris, take your hands off the outworking of it. Experience is teaching me that he often works in a way that's beyond what it is that I might have thought yeah. um, and he's created in me the freedom to go I actually don't need you to work the way that I think that you should because I'm confident that he who promised is faithful not faithful to what I think he's promised do you see the difference yeah. and and I and I and like I was saying before I think that it could have been fear that might have led me to to expect it to work a certain way because oh if it doesn't maybe this is happening you know it could have been that I don't really know what I do know is that when he turned up and set me free whatever it was didn't hold me anymore and 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 like I said that that is a greater work than the physical outworking that he did because I go you know, he, he worked in my life physically in this to bring about this result, but actually this work that he's done is an eternal work. It's not a temporary one. It doesn't just apply to this situation. I've received life, and as I walk forward, 
I might understand what that life looks like, but it's life nonetheless. And, and, I, and I get the, the internal work before the, the head work. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> this might help, and I think it, it, it's, it's the second part of it is, what if he says I'm okay with something that you in yourself have decided isn't okay with, or people around you may think that and have convincing arguments for why. What if he, God, says, I'm okay with something that you yourself have decided he isn't okay with? Yeah. Or people around you think and are convincing it's not okay. Okay, cool. <clears throat> I think, uh, I think, so maybe this is in regards to when what I was talking about before when he spoke to me about uh, something else having my heart. Um, yeah, it is a hard question. It's re- Here's another example. God, God spoke to me about something that I felt, I was like, gosh, I'm not seeing anyone else talk about this or, or in the freedom of this. Uh, like Paul says, he goes... I saw things in heaven that were unlawful for me to speak about. He's talking about something that's going to blow everyone's mind. He doesn't even write them down because people are going to go, eh, that's a problem. (laughs) And he was wise enough not to write them down because he didn't want to create a stumbling block for other people. So I absolutely believe that God will speak to me about things that are beyond freedom that other people and myself are in. In fact, I hope that he does. He needs to, because am I in the fullness of freedom? No. Do I have it all worked out? No. And so there'll be some things. An example of this is um, I, I, I received something and I was like, gosh, I, I, I've experienced this thing, but what Greg's talking about sounds like the opposite of what it is that I've received. In fact, Greg's using potentially the very words that are saying it's not this this is what it sounds like to me and I'm like but I know what it is that I've received and so and I've, I've been able to share this with other people because this is so critical for us that we don't get caught up in the words and I get it most people I, I feel like don't really know what Greg says when he says if you're hearing my words you're not hearing me I, I feel like most people don't really get that but I've had conversations with Greg where I've gone hey Greg that thing that you said my experience is the exact opposite of that and Greg's like yeah <laughs> I'm like what and he's, <laughs> he's like no that he's like that's the real thing and I'm like well I already knew that it was the real thing but how does it relate to what it is that you just said and Greg's like well actually I'm using words to explain a reality but it's not the words and there's a hearing that isn't what's being said and it sounds like double speak it sounds confusing but the words themselves are not the life they're the expression of the life that we've received and people if we are if we're starting with the words to enter into the life, we're not going to get into the life. The life is the, is the seed, is the source, is the instigator, and the words are the expression of that. So it's, it's got to be one before the other. And, and our hope this morning is that the words facilitate something, but the words themselves will never be the instigator. 
And I think the challenge in this, and this is a tricky one because it's like you need to know that you know that you know that you know that you know that what God has saying to you or given you is God. And if you know that you know that you know that you know, you need to live that out, even if nobody else agrees with you. And he's going to lead you to that place. Exactly. And this is what creates the conflict. But in that knowing, you can live it out. So if you can't live it out, then you're not in what you think you're in. Because the knowing of the knowing of the knowing of the knowing enables you to demonstrate what it is you know. That's the power of it. When no one else knows what you're saying. You can become the demonstration of that thing. Now, within that, there can be another part. And that's where we get lost because we don't know how to walk in the two parts, which is actually one part. And so we just think that's the whole and it's not. And so, but you've got to be truthful to that part, knowing there's another part that makes that one whole part. Okay, and that's the challenge because it's um, people go well. I'm only in one part, yeah, but there's two parts. Yeah. And then you've got to have a hunger and a thirst for the other part that you don't even know exists, yeah. which then exposes you again if you don't, yeah. because you go, but I'm not interested in that. But God is. Yeah. And if and, you want Christ complete in you, you know what I mean. It's like. It's the tension, isn't it? There has it? to be a desire, yeah. For because what you describe, it's like this. You could go, I had this conversation just before I came here. It's like, are we talking about life in Christ or are we talking about death? <laughs> so when you hear the God of self needs to die, do you hear life? Yeah. Or are you hearing the God of self, the God of self needs to die, God of health needs to die? Yeah. Well, that determines what you're actually truly hearing. Because I'm not hearing death, I'm hearing life. Yeah. And this is the challenge. But no, you're talking about the God of self needs to die. I'm going, I'm talking about life. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, look, I'll take you through every word you said. Where, where, I go, yeah, but I'm talking about life. Yeah. You know? And it's this whole dimension of Christ, Christ crucified. And you go, one statement, two parts. Yeah. So... And I've said this, I'll give you an example of this tension, and, and this is an absolute true statement, but this true, true statement, there's two true statements, okay? You cannot have a resurrected life without a crucifixion. Is that true? 100%. Is that the first position? No. That's second. Huh? You can't have a resurrected life without a crucifixion, correct? That's second. Why? Because Christ is first out of Christ, Christ crucified. Yeah. Because he said, I am the resurrection before there is a crucifixion. What? Yeah. So which is first and which is second? Because it's two parts in one equation. So now when you look at that after the crucifixion and the resurrection, you go, if I want to live, I need Christ. I don't try to get crucified. If I get Christ, I'll be crucified. What most people hear is get crucified, get crucified, get crucified, get crucified, get crucified, not Christ. So I try to die to me. I try. This is how the die to self kind of language. I need to die to self. I need to die to self. I can't crucify. I can't. Your whole focus is not. The, it's here, not there. It's on Christ. It's on Christ. It's on Christ. If I get Christ, I get crucified. Ah, bingo. Two parts. Both statements are absolutely true, but they're one truth. And that's the challenge because what I'm describing is the two gospels. So the gospel that looks through, I need to get crucified, is the gospel of information. The gospel that looks through the lens of Christ is the gospel of transformation. Yeah. Which one are you in? Yeah. 
okay? which is the same as this question about freedom. You know, it's like, well, you actually need to know because if you sit on that side, a whole lot of people on that side will go, no, you're wrong. Mm. But you need to be truthful to what you know is true and you will be able to live it out, which then creates opposition because yeah. that position threatens that position yeah. because it exposes it. And, and there's, there's a way to be in the truth of what it is that Christ has revealed in you that doesn't uh, circumvent his way. You know what I mean? So let's say, for instance, and I'll use a physical example, God says, uh, Luke, I want you to start a, start a, the rock live in. You know, let's say. And it's a, it's a, physical, it's, it's a physical example, right? Because you know you love All Levin. All those who live in, we love you. Because, and, and this is just a physical example because it's an easy one. And so Luke's like, I absolutely know that I know that I know that God has told me to go and start the rock live in. Hey, Greg, feel like God's telling me to go and start the Rock Levin. Greg's like, I'm not really feeling that. What's Luke going to do? Well, God's told me I'm off. Actually, Luke, you've got half of the picture because God is, hasn't altered his ways. He still has a, a, a structure and an authority for you to come into alignment with. Now, what that word has done is exposed what was already in you that wants to go and run off. But actually, God's way is that you would submit yourself to leadership. It's not, it's not resisting what it is that he's said. It's still coming in alignment with. You know, I remember, um, you know, one time, I, I feel like I passed this test, but I, I just don't. <laughs> I got lucky. You know, let's say that. I got lucky. I, I, I came up one morning and I said to Greg, hey, Greg, I've got a word, a word to bring. And I knew that God was speaking. And Greg goes, not right now. And I was like, okay. And I walked around and I was like, hmm, how do I feel about that? Because the word of God didn't get to go forth. Uh-oh. And I, you know, but I, but I actually wasn't hung up on that, thank God. I just went, actually, that's okay. It's your word, God, not mine. I don't need to bring it. And, and I didn't realize what that was at the time, but God had already done the work in my heart that meant that I was free of the need to bring the word. So when Greg says that, I'm not offended because my word didn't get to go forth. I was like, no big deal, God. You can deal with that. You can speak to Greg just as easily as you can speak to me. And if you really want it to come out, someone else is going to bring it. That's right. And that's okay. And I think it comes back to that question, like can fear be wrapped up in freedom? Yeah. That's a great example of being free yeah. Because fear in that case could have looked in a form of I need to control. Yeah. So, so I have a word yeah. and now's the time. And yeah. if I'm being told it's not the time yeah. or not now, yeah. the control or the fear that's within, you might have heard a word, but it doesn't mean you need to control how it happens or yeah. the way, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I... And I in that moment, I didn't have it all worked out in my head. I don't have the scriptures memorized. Or oh, now I need to submit to Greg to do to do to do to do. I I didn't have it worked out. I got him here. <laughs> Greg knows him here. But but what I did have was a work of the heart, and and that was outworked in his ways. But I didn't look up my manual on how to be a Christian and go, okay, I need to do this thing right here because this is what's been said. Now I've heard that spoken from the front since having experience that but the experience came first that led in his way so 
Yeah. And I think the challenge is, and we'll, we'll work another question, but you can definitely from fear shape what freedom is. Yeah. And you create your own version of freedom, yeah. you know, because we do that, because we want it to be what it is, you know. Um, Simon English. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, big ups for Simon and Emma. Um, even guys enjoying some last night watching, some late night watching, awesome uh, what you guys are sharing. My question tonight is how does the transformational power of the gospel combat the spirit of independence within church family for us to see the fruit of true oneness and a desire for discipleship? My question tonight, how does the transformational power of the gospel combat the spirit of independence within Christians? For us to see the fruit of true oneness. Woo. Come along to Becoming One, Simon, and you'll find out. I'll <laughs> <laughs> tackle that, Sammy. Um, I think to me, this spirit of independence really is just a, a self, it's it's still just living from the self-centered, self-consumed world, you know, because why is why should our be why should our Christianity be a platform for our own expression of our of, of us? Do you know what I mean? It's like like, and and so I think this whole independence thing really only exists when we're still living, you know, and and when we're still living. Um, you know, if we're still living and we're trying to participate in a family and a body with us at the centre, everything we do will be a platform for us to express us. You know, um, but actually, the, the design for the body is is actually when you when you enter when you or when you truly receive the gospel, which puts an end to you. For the first time, you can actually serve from a heart that's for others and not just revolving around there being an expression of your own religious devotion, you know? And and so to me, receiving the power of the gospel, like we've talked about, um, you know, I think Greg has said, you know, when Christ enters in, it puts to death you, which includes you needing to have some sort of expression. And so I think I feel like the example Chris that you shared is a really good one because if 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 you're still alive and you want to share a word and that word doesn't come, what comes out of you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. To me that's the fruit. Was was your motivation for bringing the word actually about you needing to have a platform for you, or was it about serving? Because if it was about serving, you can either give or not give, and it's actually okay, you know? And so to me, receiving the, the gospel that crucifies us is actually the starting point, point for being able to meaningly participate in a community where we're actually serving from a heart that's for him and others, as opposed to it being self-serving, you know? So that's probably my starting point, you know? That's it. And I, I think that spirit of independence, like you said, it, it definitely comes from the root of self. But even wanting to be independent, it, it's actually, again, it's that enmity, like you actually are being independent from Christ because Christ as one shared himself out. So the oneness of who he is can be in, is in a body. You know, it's many members of one. And so you... You actually can't be independent when you have Christ in you because you, you, there's that sense in knowing in, internally that you are part of something bigger. And that's the beauty of the death itself because no longer are you 
is the world now revolving around you and you are the central point, you, it, you come alive where you now revolve around Christ and you center around Christ. But, but even that, it gives your life so much purpose because you have both parts and two tensions of my life is just a vapor and we are born for a generation of a time, but when you see as he sees, you're like, oh man, I'm actually part of his redemptive plan over something that started right in the beginning and is gonna continue to the end. And I actually get to be a part of that. This smidge, even though it's, it's small and short, it's like God filled in that vessel along with a generation and a nation becoming a people. Yep. You, you share in that, you know, you can't be independent. Because otherwise you'd call what we English call a flip-flop, mm. a jandle. You flip and you flop yeah. from independence to being interdependent, which isn't the way. Mm. And, you, and that's, that's the gospel of information. We create this third option, mm. which is I'm in this sometimes and I'm in that and other times I'm in this, which is the lukewarm, which is the sitting on the fence, which the demonic owns. So the, this is the problem with receiving the gospel of information, is that when you receive the gospel of transformation, you are no longer independent. You are interdependent. And you don't go back to being independent. So there's no, oh yeah, one day I'm this and one day I'm that. That's the problem. If that is the reality, then you haven't yet received the gospel of transformation because it doesn't, it's like, because what you're saying is, it's like I lost Christ, you know, and now I'm back to being interdependent because I'm in, sorry, I'm independent. I'm in t- I, I, we all start independent, correct? You receive Christ, you become interdependent. You don't go back to being independent because the receiving of Christ kills that spirit because it's a spirit of independence or a spirit of interdependency. That's of pride, that's of humility. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. So then you just go from one reality of kingdom to another. You've left that behind you know and this is all these are the challenges of the gospel that's being presented or heard because one does something the other one doesn't do the other one keeps you in this lukewarm wishy-washy half thing that's actually nothing but it tells you you have life and the other one just goes from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory you know this this is full of seasons this only knows one season it's called christ Yeah, this is like four, this is one. But this is what gets promoted as what people say, this is all people have a reference for. This gets talked about, it's like, well, I don't have a reference for that. Well, that doesn't mean it's not real, you know. This is a real good one, and this, this requires a bit of sensitivity. Where do our emotions sit amongst all of this? I think I love this question. As in, if someone has received the true gospel, is it still possible for them to develop or continue to struggle with things like depression, anxiety, or being stressed? So if one has received the true gospel, or this transformational gospel, is it possible for them to, be de- to develop and to continue to struggle with things like depression, anxiety, being stressed? Um, I'll just say say this so I, I feel like um, emotions are like fire they make a great servant but a bad master and when the emotions are on top we're in trouble because we are flip-flops you know we are led wherever 
however by by either internal or external stuff you know yep. mm. um, yeah I'm trying to be careful no it's cool I, can, I, can. <laughs> I mean I think you know do you want to you know so so emotions I mean I love God with all my emotion yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, and it burns. Yeah. Like, it's passionate. It's not this dry, stale, I love God. Yeah. Like, I am on fire on the inside. And that is emotional. It's like, I love him. Yeah. It's not this dry, crusty thing, that, like you say. But that, that has come from the revelation of God. Yeah. So, you take the revelation of God away, then they're just my emotions. Yeah. So, my emotions are defined by the revelation of truth. Yeah. And so that's what enables me not to live from my emotions, yeah. even though I am so passionately in love with the Father. So on one aspect, I do live my, from my emotions yeah. Yeah. because I'm on, I love him, yeah. and love is the greatest thing I can do. But it doesn't start there, and that's formed through the revelation of the knowledge of God, um, which also influences my mind. And so I believe, yes, someone can receive this gospel of transformation in their spirit, which brings their spirit alive, but the mind still thinks uh, uh, demonically, which creates issues around depression because a lot of it is thought processes. The mind thinks certain ways which creates certain emotions. Then I tell myself certain things. I believe what I speak because what I make agreement with, I make an agreement with. Yeah. So if I agree on my mindsets that aren't actually of Christ because my mind's not being renewed, then they infect my emotions because this is what the word does too. So then I make an agreement with the speech which is demonic and that affects me entirely, even though I've been born of spirit. Mm -hmm. And this is where the spirit has to influence and save the mind, will, and emotions, and the physical body. And so this is just the journey that we want to go on, but we have to allow him into every aspect of that. And that's where I do believe, you know, like medication can help if someone is struggling in the mind, but only for a period of time. And so it's because we're in that reality where to, to tell them or to tell that person, you know, just suck it up and Jesus is going to do the thing. It's that that's not a reality for them yeah. in that particular moment, you know, because of the struggle they have. It's like, yeah, that's the truth. But that this is where love conquers the behavior. It's like, OK, cool, but that's not the solution. So that's not the solution to the issue. It may be a stopgap filler to help you right now but we need to keep pointing you to the one who's going to... Because that, all that does is just deal with the symptoms. It never yeah. gets to the root, yeah? yeah? So we need our minds renewed so we actually don't think like that ever again. Yeah, right. And this is the power of what this gospel does. It, it, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He changes the entirety of the way we think. So we never have a depressive thought again, yeah. which means we're not feeling depressed yeah. because... As the mind gets renewed, it shapes and defines the emotions. And so I live in the reality. So it doesn't matter what I go through or what's happening around me or to me, what's in me is greater. That's the example of Christ. Otherwise, I mean, his life was pretty, pretty bad. You know, if you think about it, he would be, he would be, he would never have got out of bed. You know, if you think about it, really, no one understood him. Everyone, a lot of people hated him. His own disciples betrayed him, denied him, were fighting with him. It's like, why would you 
even get up because he had his reality of himself, the truth within him, which trumped all of that. So simple answer is yes, I believe you can have the true gospel while still struggling, but the reality is that true gospel will heal every aspect of humanity to free you from what you struggle with so you never have to go back to that reality again. You know. Yeah, and I can, I can testify to that because um, leading up to this encounter with God, I was plagued with anxiety and, and just having like real bad panic attacks and stuff. It was all part of what led me to the, to the end of myself. And, and then I had that experience and it wasn't like, you know, it's, it's gone. But because it was a battlefield of the mind, um, instead of now trying to overcome this anxiety in my own efforts, it was met with Christ who was no match. You know, and it was a, an ongoing um, renewing of the mind yeah, I had received this transformational gospel within me, but it was now Christ overcoming it, not me and my own, own ability. If that makes, makes sense. And uh, I definitely agree with what everyone else has said in, in that there can be an ongoing process of transforming our mind and transforming our thinking, and it's certainly been the case for me as well. I think the danger is to hear that and think that, cool, that means it's abs- that it's okay to just stay where I am, but actually that God wants to do a full and complete work and that it's not just saving our spirit, but the reality of what he's done in us influences every part of our being. You know, and So for, for, if people are struggling with that, to me the, the encouragement is don't just stop there, allow him to just continue to be at work in your heart and your mind until the things that you do struggle with are a distant memory, you know. Yeah, I agree. Because because the first the first few thoughts that came to mind with that question is, you know, um, even even the words anxiety or depression, I think, has taken on so many definitions that it's even unclear what that means exactly, you know. Um, but I think it's that thing of the danger of it becoming a continuous state and living in that, hoping that your mind is going to be because the state of Christ's life is a quality of life that that within us, as you say, saves the whole being. It's a full save saving. We are being saved, and so it's not it, like like you said, Greg. For a time, you know, we can experience these things, um, which is part of the renewing of the mind. But it's not a state, continuous state of being that you should be fighting for the rest of your life. That's okay. Mm. And it doesn't mean all all people go through it either. No, you know, no. It's, it's just I guess a number of things can play into it, can't they? Yeah. Um, but he wants to completely do such a deep work through the gospel of transformation. So it's the gospel of transformation that saves your spirit, saves your soul, saves your body, yeah. and that's a being perfected as your heavenly Father is perfect. So it's it never ends. Yeah. It's not you arrive at a certain point of time. It's like that is the process of maturity till the day you leave this planet, you know. But it's how close do you want to get to completeness, you know. Paul said, I'm in labour until you've been completed. I'm here to complete, to see you like a pure virgin, one that's never tasted or been tainted with the world, you know. And so it's just a matter of, is that what I want? Um, I may find myself here today, but what does my tomorrow look like? in Christ, not in my ability to change me for tomorrow, but in his ability to take me from where I am today and bring me into tomorrow. 
Um, I'll get you to share one, and then the, this question just fits that. I think um, one of the things that I'm hearing through this as well is just to remember that it's the, the gospel has power, you know, and this is the difference between the gospel of power and the gospel of information. So information, like you're saying, Greg, can modify behavior, but it never gets to the root issue. But the, the power that has come from the gospel has the power to set you free. And, and I feel like, like that's the, the picture, right, that he, he wants to see us completely free. Yep. And just, just while we're on that, I mean, this booklet has all these, like we're just talking so many scriptures. So if you want to go have a look at what power is, it's all in, contained in this booklet here, and all the scriptures are there. Um, this is a really good question. There's hearing words and hearing the word. How do we position ourselves to hear the word in a way that pierces the heart? Which is going to go into alignment to how you go from today for tomorrow, isn't it? Like you can't take you from today to tomorrow. Is Your tomorrow is determined on his word. So how do you hear the word that takes you? If you're struggling with A, B and C, or even you're not, but you want more of him. Like, how does one position oneself to hear the word in a way that pierces the heart? <laughs> to me, this is one of the, the most dynamic questions that doesn't have a 10-step process to come into a, you know? Um, and I think um, because ultimately it requires a certain kind of hearing, you know, of a certain kind of word that comes from him, you know. And so to me, this is, I feel like this is continually the tension between if it's entirely him, should I just sit back and do nothing and just wait and just whatever, you know, or should I actively pursue, run all out, do everything? That, and, and so it's actually neither of those things, you know. It's like the... the it's the spiritual discipline does not necessarily bring you into life, and yet apathy is not any better at bringing you into life. You know, ultimately there needs to be a place that you find with Him, where there's something within you that cries out to Him, and so, um, you know, the, you know, it, it's a matter of walking that tightrope out with him and hearing from him what it is that he's saying. Maybe he's saying, actually, you need to put aside some of the, the busyness of your life and come aside and be with him, you know? Knowing that it's not the thing that you do, it's, it's him imparting revelation, you know? But there might be something that he says, hey, I actually want you to put those things aside to come and be with me. I, I want you to be part of a discipleship group and come presently present to um, engage in what it is that, that God's doing, you know, and so every person needs, my personal opinion is that every person needs to to find that place themselves, but ultimately it's, there needs to be that humility in you to actually want to, to do that, you know. Yeah, so. I absolutely agree, Sam, with everything you, you've said, and I, one thing that's just risen up is how Greg talks about, we're, we're not really good at waiting on him. And there's something in the waiting, hey, where if we will give him enough space and time for our inner realm to, to just wait, 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 wait. There's actually, I think there's a divine 
working that can happen um, where all the feelings, all the thoughts, all the pent-up things that we might be unaware of with enough time comes to a stop, you know? And so, yeah, I think it's one of the ways to position yourself, what that could look like practically, but even that you can go, okay, well, what does waiting look like? There's a waiting, and then there's a waiting, you know? Um, But I think that's one way to position ourselves to receive is just waiting on him, you know? Because mm. in the waiting, it, it births humility, yeah, you know, that it can be, it can, it's a stop to all, I need to do something to, if it's genuine waiting on him, then that's just a, a being still and, and puts a stop to, I guess, like functional trying to achieve it ourselves and and there's also the aspect of what you're saying Chris about like this reaching this pre-appointed time whereas I know that's what it was for me it was kind of like tick 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 now you know and it was like I'd received this word that had pierced my heart um, and that was that was it for me you know that, that was when it, he had chosen to to reveal Christ in me but and it, it can be both eh? like there's for me I feel like uh, you know, I just say what you guys have said in different words that that there's the practical part of it. So if my lifestyle looks like I'm having ten coffees a day and I just can't sit still, well, actually, maybe the Holy Spirit as a teacher is quietly whispering to me, "Take it easy, cut down on that." You know, and so there's my own level of engagement, which is doing some things practically well, where I'm I'm and I love what you say, Greg. You're carving out some time, so making some time where this is the time, but the time in itself isn't going to make the change because at the same time as there's practical things there's absolutely the need for him to do the work because he's got to be the author of it you know and I I, I find this that you know you can go into prayer in the same place in two different nights and get two completely different results you know one night you connect with him and the next night you're just all over the show because either you've been distracted that day you've gone and done your own stuff or you've done everything right as far as you know and you're still, you know, you're just learning, you know, whatever. I think once again, so much of this is the mystery around the gospel brings us into the reality of this question. And that's what makes it so tricky. Because you just can. You know because you know him, because you couldn't hear him beforehand, and you're not interested in hearing him. And I think this is, the, this is ultimately the thing that creates all the tension within the body, which causes the hurt, or the disappointment, or the frustration, or the anxiety, or the worry, because it's like, I actually can't. Like, if I think about my own relationship with God, I haven't actually ask that question you're just here because the power gospel brings you into that position and you now know because you're here because you're now in the reality of what it was and I think that's part of the tension because I don't know this other institutional reality of trying to hear God when I haven't been brought into God you know Um, because that power does that that work on its own, and and um, I, I think those are where all the tensions are. Yeah. You know, you just 
it sort of just is um, because it is. Um, th this next question, I, I think probably I'll answer this because there's a bit of sensitivity around it. It's a very good question. Um, why aren't all the cultures that make up your organisation represented on the panel? Surely there is diversity in Christ. And I go, absolutely. Um, and we love all cultures. We're, one, we're not an organisation, but we're a church. And as a church, we flow differently than an organisation. But ultimately, the people on the panel are here because God said, these are the people on the panel. Um, hence even Luke, because the people on the panel are all elders. Um, and not that we don't have elders on the panel, because Luke's here, and God told me to bring Luke onto the panel. But it has nothing to do with ethnicity, background, culture. And we do have different cultures on the panel because I'm English, Mel's South African, he's English, and these guys are Kiwis. And as we know, just different outside culture really means nothing because it's the culture of being within Christ that we want represented on the panel, not different skin colours or tones or from different nations. So we're all led, we're led by the Holy Spirit here. So the Holy Spirit said, it's this person, it's this person. Um, you guys can't see, but we do have people here from different cultures that are all part of making this happening right now. So uh, that's the simple answer to that one. And defining diversity in Christ is to diversity. Just say that. Oh, I, sorry, I should have said that in the microphone. Just that diversity in Christ, how, how that's defined is very different by diversity in the world and how the world would define it. Mm. All right, this is good. Um, can you describe your understanding? And we sort of have been, once again, I think it's good, just to, of you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Can you describe your testimony, your, your posture of you have died? So this is Colossians 3.3. 3. Mm -hmm. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Go Mel. <laughs> Mel's excited about that one. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, uh, the scripture that always comes to mind and which I absolutely adore because I so resonate and identify with it is that when when he appears, I will appear. And um, we were talking about this before um, we went live and it's... Um, to, to die with Christ and to rise with Christ, it's like I've come to know who I truly am since coming to know Christ. It's like coming to know Christ, I've come to know myself in him. And, um, and this identity isn't independent of his identity. It's a, it's a bone of his bone, a flesh of his flesh. And the more I've come to understand that this, my life was always concealed in him, it's the joy and the peace and the reality of my life being revealed in him is what I'm experiencing. It's a revelation of my life that's joined and coming alive in and through him. And that's who I really am. That's my identity. I don't, um, it's not in the roles I play. It's not in being a mother. It's not being a, a, a wife. These are beautiful expressions of uh, a, a functioning but to be the bone of his bone, the flesh of his flesh, to know that my life has come from him, that's my, my identity. And so um, how, do I know, how do I know this? I, uh, 
um, I would I just w I wouldn't exist. It's like it's like um, you've experienced it though. That's ultimately what that's it is. That's how you know it. You've experienced the reality it. of his gospel doing that work Absolutely. that brings the understanding of what he's done. Yes. Not trying to grasp it in your mind. That's it. That's it. And and I know that others around me who knew me before and m might know me now, oh, the, the difference, it's not even a difference. I feel like that's not, that doesn't even do it justice, you know, and it's, um, and, and the thing about this life in Christ, how do I know? It's like the more he reveals himself in me, the more I see him being revealed through me and, you know, partaking of his divine life that I can't muster up. I can't force myself to experience. I'm just seeing and becoming more with him and in him as my days unfold and as time goes on, but um, it's not even an adding up by time or adding up by days. It's just an increase of quality and quantity of Christ within me that the days just give me extra opportunity. And so even like waking up in the mornings, it's like every day I have this burning sense of opportunity and potential to have more of him and uh, that's how I know I'm alive to him. That's how I know my life is him. It's, it, it, it just is constant. Mm. I, I, kinda, I have this picture of the ugly duckling, mm -hmm. you know, where the life that we've lost was the life that we were living before Christ, where he turns up and all of a sudden we realise, so when we see him, we realise who we are. Like we, we are found in him. So he, I, I find that as he opens my eyes to who he is, I actually see who I am in that order. Whereas before, we were, you know, we were created to be the swan swimming around thinking that we're ducks. You know what I mean? Like it's just, we were predestined to be found in Christ. And the life that we've lost is the duckling that we never were anyway. Yeah. The challenge is, once again, who's writing this? Okay, so, and he's not writing from theory. So he's writing from a living transformational reality of the work of the gospel going to work in him because he once wasn't this guy. So he was the complete opposite of who he was. So he's one man but two lives. Two very distinct lives in the face of one man. So the outer shell is the same person. The inner shell is a completely different reality. So we can't actually know the reality of this question unless you're in the gospel of transformation because Paul had no idea about it till he got transformed because he's not writing theoretical knowledge. He's writing testimony. So the that's the challenge, isn't it? Is that you actually will know it if you're in the reality of the gospel we've been talking about because Paul is writing from the gospel going to work in him. So not any one of us starts knowing this stuff. No one knows it until it actually goes to work within you. And so it's like then there's the reality of knowing your heart being pierced because you, it's something you experience. It's not something you're trying to figure out in your head. 
So then you also know, like Paul knew, that he was created before the foundation of the earth in Christ. So all that's happened here, he's gone back to being who he actually was at an appointed time that happened in his life. It's like catch up. Literally, it's catch up to who you've already been predestined to be, but you can't catch up until it happens in you, not to you, but in you, because that's what enables you to catch up. And so then you know that reality. You, you, you know you're dead because you know the day you died. You know, I can mark it. I'm not going to say it again. I've said enough. You can mark it in the sand. Bang, and it's an event because that's the day that your will died. But how did it die? Not through saying yes to a message. It was receiving the messenger that went straight and pierced the eye. And so what happened, you know, I'll come back to Christ, Christ crucified. So I got crucified when I received Christ. I received Christ, I died. Can you see the, hear the pattern? Okay, so when you heard the message, did you receive the person or think you've got to die? You need to hear the person, then you're dead. Then you know what your life is like to be hidden in Christ because you I died, you died, which is what he's saying. You have died and your life is now hidden. So... I didn't try to die and my life was hidden. I received Christ and I died and my life was hidden in Christ. If that's not the order, then you're, then you're not in this, this reality so you don't know what this is. But when you are in that order, you just speak what is. It's not here. Then this renews this. So the Spirit then takes that. And I didn't know that. I didn't have words for that. Now I have words because the Holy Spirit has renewed my mind to what happened that day. But I've been living that for 22 years, you know. And so I was able to live that without knowing what that was. I don't know, but now I can live. So <laughs> I died and my life was hidden with Christ and God, but I couldn't give you the articulation of that. But I can live that. And then the Holy Spirit says, let me show you and renew your mind to what happened that day and now I'm going to continually do that through the renewing of your mind because you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God and you realize man that's who I was at the beginning before the foundations before they ever fell from that so I'm back to original design because that's where I actually started but at that fall I fell out of my original design so in 1997, God put me back into original design and I've been living in original design for 22 years in Christ. Not, not being outside of him and not living. That's that. And, and when, you, when, you, when, we know, when we're experiencing our, the, our life hidden in Christ, we're more concerned about him appearing and being seen through our lives then we are concerned about ourselves being seen and not hidden so we can you know it's it's this hiding place with him where he's revealing himself and that's the very source of us um you know when people can talk about like oh, i don't know who i am or i'm not sure of my identity it's like when christ is revealed to you you're revealed and so your concern is never about being seen and needing to be seen or needing a platform or needing to be heard. 
it's actually there's such a, a security and a sense of identity in the hidden place of Christ because he's, he's revealed. Yeah. And so your life is more is absolutely more concerned about him being revealed and seen and heard through your life and you being hidden in him, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Because you're dead. Yeah. And that's so if you're concerned about that, you're still alive, which means you haven't entered into this reality because you're still more concerned about you, you know. And I think just on that note about anxiety, and it just came back to me then, I think, you know, like, what I love is that Jesus said to Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious for many things, okay? And then as you track Martha, when Jesus comes where he's been, you know, he comes to heal or Lazarus has died, she runs up to him, you know? So there's a, there's a just seeing someone who's coming out of anxiety and worry and, and, and she's so passionate about what she wasn't passionate about because when he was in her house, she wasn't at the feet. She wasn't running up to him when he was in her house. She was anxious and worried about many things. Mm. Something must have happened within her because when he's now coming, she runs. Now the challenge is you can see she's still growing because Mary doesn't move until she hears the voice of Christ. But at least she's actually running now towards Christ, where she, when he was in her house, she was like doing dishes or whatever, you know. So I just hope that encourages if you do struggle with certain things is that he is always there wanting to take us out of us and bring us into him. Um, there are about three other questions, but I think we're going to wrap it. Um, just since we've, and I'll answer these questions uh, just via text. Um, just before we do go, just one last thing. Becoming One obviously starts Thursday night. If you never got a reply, you registered but didn't get a reply, it means we don't have you registered. And so we've had a little bit of a glitch uh, with the system just on a couple of things. So if you think you've replied but haven't got an email saying you've replied, can you please uh, register for Becoming One? Um, outside of that, contact Rochelle um, at therock.org.nz. Um, so that'd be cool. So thanks, guys. Awesome time. We'll see you soon.